Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Well, the bottom line is after seeing this football team inside the stadium for the first time in 2019, Get your Super South Bowl? Florida plans ready. Okay. For the third preseason go game. On to, oh, <laughs> go on Ticketmaster right now. Reserve those Super Bowl tickets. I mean, uh, Jags play in Miami in a couple yeah, of weeks. I got you. Yeah, Swerve. So, I got you. Nicely done. Not bad out there today, though. Saw some nice plays. DJ Chark, I think if you're on social media, you might have seen the catch by now. And I don't even think that was maybe the best play. It's debatable. It was certainly a a fantastic throw and catch. But I do think the throw by Foles kind of coming out of his own uh, end, not really end zone, but maybe from the 10 or 15 yard line. I can't remember exactly where it was. It's like a 30-yard play uh, right over the defender to James O'Shaughnessy. And I was like, whoa. Okay. You yeah, know? yeah. I mean, that was really good. So they've had some of those moments. The defense has had some moments. And uh, I thought overall it was pretty good out there on the field early this morning. I mean, was that the earliest in the history of Jaguars training camp that they've been out on the field? It was 7.55. Might have been the earliest of training camps in general, I feel like, in the NFL. I, I've never heard of a of a team that's practiced or, you know, had a scrimmage before 8 o'clock. Which is interesting because in high school football, you, you tell me, I, I didn't play, but I feel like there are some high school teams that go early, early, like maybe 6.30 in the morning. Like as I've, I've yeah. actually done stories, and I feel like I did a story. Maybe it was up in Yulee during the Derrick Henry days. Uh and I know I've been a couple of days in Waycross with Trinity Football Program where they go up there. And, I mean, they start, like, as the sun is coming up. But you don't see that with NFL teams. So we started uh, my senior year at Murray State. We had practice at 6.15 every morning. Oh, every yeah, morning? because, like, the whole theory was we're going to get them before school. So we would go to practice at 6.15 and then go to school after that. Which, yeah. honestly, it sucked getting up that early, obviously, especially, like, when it gets cold outside in the fall. So that was kind of a bummer. And then, you know, you're playing video games at night, so you don't get a full eight hours of sleep. Yeah. I was playing FIFA and Madden and everything. <laughs> but, um, truth be told, it wasn't that bad of a setup because then you just come in after school, you watch the film from the practice in the morning, and you just go about your day. So, not a really bad setup. But, um, yeah, and as far as the NFL is concerned, kind of unheard of. Well, here's the idea with it. In Ian Shields at Jacksonville University is doing it as well. And I think it's to try to get the guy, even though it might take a little bit to, to wake them up, Mm. it's to try to get them with a full amount of energy in the morning for practice. Because you go to school all day, you're bouncing around, you got the stress of whatever it might be, work, homework and and uh, whatever it is. Uh, maybe you already lifted during the day. Then you go practice in the afternoon or evening, yeah. especially here in Jacksonville in the hot sun and some of the rain. Well, you might not have 100% left in the tank by that time. So I think trying to maximize effort, maximize energy going in the morning. And I don't know if that's what went into this for the Jaguars. It could have. Uh, but we do know this. The Jags love this schedule. The players love this schedule. And I was thinking about it because we're working on our pregame show for next week when we're in Baltimore. And I think it is a, a bit of a story we're going to expand upon on the TV side. But it, could you could you make the case... And I'd have to ask TC, but Tom Coughlin, in all his years in the NFL, and I know this isn't his team as a head coach, but when he, the teams he's been around, has anybody ever smiled at training camp? You know, anybody ever said, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying players are saying this is easy, 
but they put their arms around it to the point where they almost like like it and enjoy it. Yeah. And it, it's uh, it's such a 180 from where they were the last two years where people were like, oh, my gosh, are we even going to make it to September? So well, this is still week two, keep in mind. Let's, yeah. let's see what happens in week four, week five. Well, they're going to ramp it up next week either way with Baltimore. So, uh, But if you put it in the context of, of Tom Coughlin and players are happy during camp and they're all in the same building together, yeah. uh, that doesn't usually go in the same sentence. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And I want to touch a little bit, too, uh, on the whole time schedule thing, like, like you said, some coaches want to go maybe a little earlier to get their get their chance of body to, uh, to wake up and everything. Here's my philosophy on the best time to practice, and I'll I'll steal this from my whole MMA training philosophy. Say I, I fight at 9:30, well then we do everything possible to train around that time frame because mm-hmm. that's the time you fight. And I think football should be the same way, where if you play at one o'clock or if you play on the on the West Coast, it's different. But say you're on the East Coast time and you play at home, you play at one o'clock. I would want my team to practice around that time frame because, in my opinion, your body's like a clock, you know, and eventually it gets accustomed, it gets conditioned to performing at a certain time. So if you have your guys perform around 12 o'clock, around 1 o'clock during practice, then I feel like by the time the game time comes, um, you'll, you'll be ready to roll. I think when, you know, Coach Del Rio uh, had his practices around 8 o'clock at night for training camp, and then all of a sudden we had to switch it up for the season and we play at, at noon, I thought you saw some, or at 1 o'clock, then you saw some benefits of where it didn't help us at all because, you know, we're used to staying up late and performing late at night, and then we turn around and play the regular season around 1 o'clock. So that's just my opinion. I mean, I'm, there's no science behind what I'm saying here, but I think there's something to be said for it. Well, I think there's logic behind what you're saying, but I also think nowadays it's so hard because the times change so often in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Like in the preseason, you're playing at 7, 7.30 at night. Sure. Jaguars will play a lot of 1 o'clock games, but they'll also this year, I think they have five 4 o'clock games, and they also have the prime time game. Sure. So there's schedules all over the place, and by that time you you can get your body used to a, a, of a different schedule. Yeah. But I get what you're saying, but they they decided to throw that method out yeah. the window. I think that's mm-hmm. part of the reason they practice when they did practice in the past because you're out there around early afternoon, and I, and I think there is some sense and logic to what you're saying. But they just said, you know what, forget about that. You yeah. know, we want to get the most out of our practice. And and Doug Marone has talked about it a bunch. I feel like now we've talked about it a bunch, and so I don't want to belabor it too much, but it. There is some sense. It's like it is okay that players are happy to go out on the field and go to work. Like, isn't, think, that, isn't that what you want? Do you, I well, mean, would I you rather have players but, dreading with their heads down, like, oh, here we go again? But in football, it's almost been this mentality: this they're going to do it my way or the highway, and we're going to work them into the ground, and we're going to get them tougher, yeah. and we're going to be better because we're outworking the other guy, and nobody's going to do it like this, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of been the mentality of football for as long as we've known football. And they're taking a little, uh, a lot of a different twist on this by saying, hey, uh, you know what? we kind of want you excited to practice and play football. Wow, okay, that does actually make sense. But nobody and, does it like that. Well, and here's the surprising thing. Of all the coaching staffs around the, the NFL, you know, and maybe this is taking place elsewhere too, but obviously we're, we're keeping close watch on the Jacksonville Jaguars because that's who we cover. But of all the coaching staffs, with Tom Coughlin, with, with Doug Marone, who I honestly consider kind of an old-school throwback-type coach, and I always said before on the show, I consider him more of a defensive-minded coach with his personality. Now, he's on the offense. You know, he played offense in the NFL. But he, to me, he's got the, that defensive-minded characteristics, um, kind of a quiet guy for all things considered. But, uh, you know, he, he can be funny as well. But to have that coaching staff and, and that front office kind of turn around now and – 
I don't want to say let up the reins because it's like you said. I think the next couple of weeks, especially in Baltimore, when you practice for the whole week with a new team, it will get ramped up one way or another. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Anytime you go against a, a new team, um, an opponent, and everything's recorded, yeah, you're, you're definitely going to be uh, taking it up a notch. But I am surprised with, with, the, with, the, with the front office in place right now. Um, just how much they've changed things. Well, and I give them a little credit for listening to the players on that front. They listened to the leadership in the locker room and some guys, and and they made a change. And we'll see if it works. Again, you can try a million different ways. It comes down to staying healthy. It comes down to winning games. It comes down to getting some breaks. And you can try to change because of it. I, I don't know if the two go hand in hand, but you got to try to fit the jigsaw puzzle together. Mm-hmm. And the Jags are trying a little bit different way. And uh, this year we'll see if it works. Uh, like I just said, you can't do anything about injuries. And injury is a big topic yesterday during our show. We yeah. learned about Quincy Williams and Josh Oliver. And today got a little bit more on the Oliver front. Yesterday we told you Quincy Williams out four to six weeks. Although the, our update later in the show was Doug Marone said on Jaguars.com that uh, he expects to have Quincy Williams back for the open. So that's good. But we talked at length about how he will miss a lot of reps and that could hurt him. Uh, we'll hear from Todd Wash a little bit later about Quincy Williams and how he was coming along and also how Najee Good fits into the plans now that he takes over that role. So if you really think about it from a plan perspective, the Jags will be on a third weak side linebacker from Telvin Smith to mm-hmm. Quincy Williams to Najee Good, at least for the time being. The other one, Josh Oliver. And this thing's a bit significant now. This is the word. That's the quote word. Yeah. Significant hamstring injury for Josh Oliver to the point where not only miss probably the month of August, but maybe even some time in September. And we'll see how long it lingers. You've got to be really careful with hamstrings and groins and those kind of injuries. But uh, I think it's a, I think both of them are a relatively big blow for now. And I don't really know which one's more of a big blow. In fact, we're going to get into that in the next segment, and I put that out on Twitter today. Yeah, I saw that. But it's debatable, isn't it? To, to me, it's 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 black and white. To, to, to really? me, it's, it's obvious. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, and, and I'm, I'm still wondering which way you're going to go. Yeah, that's fine. We'll get into it during okay, the next that's segment. That's a good tease. But, Very but good. one thing though, with Josh Alba, real quick. So uh, Doug Marone said it was a significant injury, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's got to make you a little nervous because when you're dealing with a hamstring or a soft tissue air tear, usually the you know the verbiage would be like, you know, it's uh it's a little banged up. We'll see. But anytime you use the word significant, and I I know he hasn't said this yet, but maybe you're talking about a tear. You know, or a, a slight tear. And if you have a slight tear in the hamstring or the quad, that is not good because even when you come back, uh, there's always the high risk of tearing that again. And he could be out for a while. We'll I'll, see. I'll probably usually hang on to our interviews until uh, around the five o'clock hour. I think I'm going to play our Jeff Swaim interview a little earlier because he has some comments about Josh Oliver. Mm. And probably in the in about uh, 20 minutes or so, we'll have that comments about Oliver's progress and how he was doing. And then also about now what does that mean for him and the rest of these tight ends because somebody's got to step up. I think there was a lot of hope, blind hope, blind faith in the fact that Oliver was a pick and Filippo and all that and he could maybe produce at a high level here and get excited about it. He's got a, he's just got a good skill set. Uh, somebody's going to have to fill that void at least for the time being and probably for the early part of the season. Which one's a bigger blow to the Jacksonville Jaguars right now? Oliver or Quincy Williams being down for... This month and maybe even the first couple of weeks. It's next on ESPN 690. What you got on the magic whiteboard to start a Friday? We are Friday. Yeah. It's all one big day in the fall. But, hey, for everybody else that it's not all one big day, <laughs> happy Friday. I'm yeah, basically, anyway. uh, 
I just said Tool's got a whole new catalog streaming. Damn, um, Tool's a, is, is a rock band, Brent. You haven't heard of them before, but they just released uh, all their music on streaming services now, so that's that's pretty cool. Is that Tool, a win? Yeah, that's a that's a huge win. I mean, I have most of their albums already, but now I can enjoy the other ones that I don't have that I paid for. But uh, Tool, to me, was like what Pink Floyd was to kids, I think, back in the 70s. Really? Because it's like something like you never really heard of before. Like, I was into rock music when I was a kid. And then all of a sudden, uh, a couple Tool albums came out and, like, kind of changed the way that I, I do rock music. So, yeah, it's it's big for me. In a good way. In, in a great way. Yes. Uh, tool. Tool. T-O-O-L. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard some of their stuff before. Yeah, I probably have. Yeah. Uh, Coos, go ahead and uh, hit him with a, a Tool track real quick. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> no, call that one up. Yeah. But... You know, isn't it interesting, uh, usually Tool, you don't want to be called. Exactly. <laughs> yes, that's very true. Um, They've reversed it. Well, it is it's kind okay of a play then. on words. Like, if you yes. see some of their t-shirts and some of their band merch, they, they do take a they play on that. words a little bit. Yeah, right. so it's all good. Uh, glad uh, glad you got that good Check news today Thank on a Friday. Thank you very much, man. Any good news? Yeah, there it is. You ever heard this? You ever heard this one? Schism? We're like three seconds into the I song. Mean, this is all it is I right mean, here. Can I at least hear the song a little bit? <laughs> all right, all right. Never thought you'd hear a tool on a Friday on ESPN 690, but here we are. I like the sound. Yeah. Like I said, it's different, right? Yeah. Do they sing? Yeah, they do, eventually. <laughs> there you go. I can dig this. Yeah. It's all right. Cool. All right. Did I just turn Brent on to tool? I like it. I mean, I just deadlifted at the gym a little while ago. I could have played playing that. You I should have been putting that in my... Be honest, though. Are we using the hex bar or the straight bar? Uh, the hex bar. Thank you. Thank you. No, I, that, that's props, man. I don't need you blowing out your back or anything. Now no, the football like, season starting. I think starting. I like the hex bar better. It's, it's easier. I mean, it's. I say it's easier. I feel but like I stay in the uh, in true form better. I, absolutely, yeah. Because a big thing is obviously not lifting with your back, but your whole body. Yeah. And the hex bar does that very well. I mean, thanks I, for I, the tip. I use the same thing. Yeah. Uh, Four hundred and fifty pounds, by the way. No, you didn't. <laughs> sure, you, you sure didn't. <laughs> so right through that one. You didn't even hesitate. Nope. <laughs> Zero hesitation on a Friday, Brent. You sure didn't. But that's okay, though. It was, it was a nice try. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Quincy Williams or Josh Oliver, you yeah. say it's easy. Yeah, to me it's uh, easy. Two third-round picks go down yesterday. It was the worst day at camp because of the injury news. And today we learned the hamstring is a significant injury. It really looks – obviously, we know this. I think it's safe to say these guys are going to miss the first month of camp. I mean, on the, the next month of camp mm-hmm. and the preseason. And I still think it's a little bit wishful thinking. I, I'm not – I'm not disagreeing with what Doug Marone said in terms of expectations he'll be back. Yeah. But I like to be a little bit more cautious on that injury front from what we've seen over the years. And I think they might be more cautious, too. They do have some veterans that can play, like a Najee Good, that can play that weak side linebacker. Mm-hmm. And Oliver looks like it sounds like it might be even longer than that. So yeah. uh, not great news from, from two positions that are big question marks for the Jags. And you were going to ask young guys to fill big roles, which is always a dangerous thing to do, in my opinion, instead of just bringing them along. But anyway, what do you think? Quincy Williams or Josh Oliver, who's the bigger blow? So, to be fair, before I answer this question, let's establish a few um, stipulations first. Round rules. Yeah, so let's assume that both of them come back by the time the season starts, right? Because it'd be easy for me to say, well, Quincy Williams, because Josh Oliver's yeah. injury could be more severe, uh, right? Let's just at least assume they're back on the same timetable. Yes, exactly. Right? Okay. Whether yeah. they miss two games together or they or they come back for the opener. Perfect. Yep, fantastic. So then let me ask you this question, Brent. In terms of rookies going, like, going into the rookie seasons, who has more success usually? The linebackers or the tight ends? As far as numbers are concerned. 
Well, you know what? And you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I can make I, a pretty I, good educated guess of which one it's going to be. Well, because I argue a lot that there are not a lot of rookies that find success at tight end in terms yes. of big time production, I'm going to lean linebacker. But I honestly, I don't, I don't know that answer. Though I just saw a guy like Darius Leonard with Indianapolis have a phenomenal year. Yeah. I think Telvin did okay, if I'm not mistaken. Like his first yeah. year, and Miles, you know, Miles played kind of sparingly at times. Uh, so I would say the answer to your question is More probably linebacker. Yeah, so for, from that perspective, and it's like I said yesterday on the show a little bit, when you're talking about that linebacker position, I mean, listen, if you're a rookie, it sucks to miss any kind of time, right? Like you're getting acquainted with training camp, you're getting acquainted with the NFL, and to miss time, yes, that puts you behind the eight ball a little bit. But from a position perspective, the linebacker where I talked about it a little bit before, where it's not so much about your techniques in terms of footwork, hand placement. It's all about read and reaction. Now, yes, you have to you have to feel that flow. You have to feel the game, and the only way you can do that is in practice and going through scrimmages and stuff like that. But from the most part, compared to the tight end, where you know one of the question marks about Josh Oliver is his ability to block. You know that was the thing out of college. Great pass catcher can run the route tree, but can he block? And to get better at blocking, uh, to get fundamentally fundamentally sound in blocking. It involves hand placement and footwork. And those two things just come with reps. You know, so you just drill those every single day. Because when I was a rookie, I had problems with, with uh, they called it a false step. And basically what that meant was when I got off the ball, I would kind of hitch my back leg a little bit. So I was kind of losing ground. Like I would, I would false step it. Mm-hmm. And that took me forever to correct. You know, but it's just reps after reps after reps. And finally I got it. And the same thing for Josh Oliver, where if he wants to get better um, in the in the run game, you have to get the reps after reps after reps, and he can't do that now because he's sidelined. Now, yes, Quincy Williams is, uh, like he said before in the interview, where he said he feels like sometimes he's in a beehive uh, and, and the bees are buzzing around his head, and, and that, that's standard. You know, I mean, the, I think coming from Murray State, I can I can tell you firsthand the speed goes up a notch, uh, the strength goes up a notch, and everything like that. But from that linebacker position, you can get away with a little more without having to be the fundamentally sound guy with your footwork and hand placement. Because at the end of the day, Quincy Williams was brought in here to read and react. And that's something that he does very well. So from my perspective, I'm more concerned about Josh Oliver. And there's some word that uh, the Williams injury was throughout the week, really. He had been playing on it and trying to tough it out. And he's still flying around. Yeah. Yeah, Meniscus is something I think you can do that, but you also better get it cleaned up if it's bugging you, Mm -hmm. especially this stage of the season. And we talked yesterday, uh, Jalen Ramsey had that, or similar, I don't want to say it's exactly the same, but something similar, his uh, rookie season back in 2016, but that took place in the springtime. Mm -hmm. So the timing was different. He had plenty of time to heal and and then showed no ill effects uh, as far as we know. So I... Here's the deal. I agree with you. But uh, Twitter, uh, uh, that's going to be a button right there, Coos. Make sure you save that audio. Well, and, and here's why I agree with you. Yeah. I think my first in, in, inclination was Quincy Williams. Because he had been so talked about yeah. so far, and it almost looked like he had won the spot. I mean, you yeah. don't win spots in a week in a camp. We no. in the media, we the fans, the fans that get out there and go to camp, we all start... S- putting these narratives in there sometimes based off six or seven practices. Mm. Let's not go crazy. Mm -hmm. Now, they did like what Quincy Williams was doing in the spring. They don't have a lot there proven anyway, and they invested in this guy. And like I've always said about Quincy Williams, they invested for him for 2020. They did not invest in him because of this this year, I don't think. Even though by the time they drafted, they had had inclinations about the Telvin Smith stuff. they would like to, in a perfect world, bring this guy along at a slower rate mm-hmm. and then really let him go 
next year. Well, they didn't really have that luxury. So I do think we have to be careful. It's not like he had won the job, but he certainly was getting a lot of opportunity to win the job, and he was on track. And you'll hear from Todd Washer a little bit later, and he said he was ahead of where they thought he would be. So there were a lot of positive things being said about Quincy Williams. And this was a guy who was predominantly rolling with the ones the whole time, which was a good sign for for him starting during the season. And you have to remember, all things considered with this coaching staff, they seem like a – like a group that makes the rookies earn their spot, right? Like it doesn't matter where you're drafted. You have to earn your spot, especially this year with what I've seen so far. So it wasn't like they just plugged and played Quincy Williams and then like, all right, you're, you're the starting outside linebacker now. I think Quincy earned those reps at the one spot and he went on from there. So all things considered, yeah, he was, he was looking good. All right. So my point, my belief was initially, I was like, oh, Quincy Williams, this is really going to hurt. He said, I, the beehive thing sticks out in my mind. He needs yeah. the reps. He, uh, you got to get in sync. You got to fly around. You got to know the plays, know your landmark mm-hmm. marks, know where you got to be. Well, you'll hear my interview with Jeff Swayman a little bit, and he even said something. And then I was just thinking about it a little bit more. I don't know what they have at um, tight end. I mean, I really don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can You can take those guys and put them in a hat and I don't know who's going to emerge. And now well, T- Doug Marone has said he likes what they have. He's like, we don't just have camp bodies there. Okay, that's fine. But you really don't have anything proven there at tight end. And John Filippo likes to use the tight ends. On top of that, Swain will tell you in this interview in a bit that's, that the way Filippo used the tight ends, he really moves them around a lot. Yeah. And so it's pretty intricate from the tight end position, even from a veteran guy's standpoint that hasn't played in the system before. So if you add that to Josh Oliver's plate, what he's now going to miss, what the Jags could miss in him and his athletic ability, uh, I think now he becomes the guy that they, they miss the most. Here's some of the responses. Charlie says, Quincy for sure. Chuck D says, to me, it's Oliver. Questionable timetable for return. Have to score points to win. Injury could be an issue all year in a position we need a playmaker. Williams seems will be back, and while a rookie has been pretty solid. Again, if you're flirting with timetables here, then we're not putting it on an even playing field. But I get your point. Uh, Realistic Jags fan says, Oliver, for sure. We have no playmakers at tight end right now. Uh, Steven McNichol says, Quincy hurts more because he needs the reps, and we need all kinds of help at linebacker. Plus, tight end takes a year or two to develop. I think all good points, by the way, uh, so far in this discussion. And I think that's why it's a highly debatable one. I wonder in the building, they wouldn't come out and say this, but I wonder in the building how they feel about which one would be um, more of a loss at this stage of it. And even if you have to go through the season, got over 400 votes on my question. Quincy Williams, 66 percent. Josh Oliver, 34 percent. So a lot of the fans, or at least people on Twitter, say Quincy Williams is the bigger loss right now. Well, and here's the one thing that worries me a little bit. Jeff Swaim's never played a full season either. You know, last year I think he uh, he had an MCL issue. He had to get wrist surgery. So this is a guy, knock on wood, who's been hurt before, and you hope that he can stay out through the whole season because they're, they're limited right now. And with Josh Oliver out for, you know, uh, probably an expended, extended period of time, depending on how bad that, that hamstring is, uh, it's one thing that's got to make you concerned as a Jaguars fan because the tight end is so crucial uh, in that John DiFilippo offense. Will Salmon talks Gators in a little bit. Ryan Clark from ESPN talks the NFL and the Jaguars. His thoughts from afar on the Jags. Tony Baselli on the Fred Taylor comments. And coming up next, we stay on the tight end topic. I catch up with Jeff Swaim, the Jags tight end, as he got off the field after the scrimmage today. That's next on ESPN 690. 
Um, you know, we've we've kind of had this plan uh, with Najee the whole time. You know, he's very intelligent. He's been in the league eight years. Um, it's obviously, you know, we feel comfortable with him going over playing Will. Uh, you know, we thought he was probably going to be our third flip linebacker anyway. And, uh, you know, we really like the depth there. Obviously, it's too bad that Quincy will be out for a little bit. But, uh, you know, he'll continue to study. He was doing a great job up until this point. He was really, you know, I felt he was ahead of schedule uh, dealing with rookie linebackers in the past. And, uh, you know, he'll be back and he'll be ready to go. And, I, you know, we'll feel comfortable with whoever steps in there in place. Well, because they have to. Todd Walsh, Jaguars <laughs> defensive coordinator, uh, talking after practice today. He had a lot of good things to say. Uh, I'll, I'll have his comments a little bit later on uh, Yannick Ngakwe, uh, Jalen Ramsey, this defense and the wrinkles. Uh, anyway. Did you ask him? Did you ask him straight up, 3-4? Nah, not straight mm-hmm. up like that. Okay. The cat and mouse in a little bit. I hear you. I know there's a little uh, gamesmanship yeah. involved. I understand. I'm, I'm you, you know, the cool thing about Todd is Todd does not like doing the interviews. Yeah. Wash, like he actually left the podium today and he's like, uh, all right, we'll see you in February, guys. <laughs> Love it. What I want to tell him, and I haven't told him this, is I think he's really good yeah. in front of the microphone. Like he's yeah. really good at that because you know what? He's got a whole lot I don't really give a damn in him. Sure. And it's like, yeah, you know, he's not going to give away his trade secrets, mm-hmm. but he's also going to kind of tell it how it is. Yep. Which is probably why he doesn't like it. Because you can get yourself in trouble sometimes just straight away telling it how it is. Yeah. As a coach. Yeah. Uh, so I think, I think it's, I think he's been great there though. And I, he was very, very good today on a lot of different fronts. So throughout the show, you hear from Todd Wash. I think he brings up, he leads us into some really good talking points along the way to, uh, to end a week and really the first full week of, uh, Jags training camp as they head to Baltimore now. Next week, Brett Martineau, former Jags player, Austin Lane. Coos is here on a Friday as well. We will give away Monster Jam tickets in just a bit. And here's a friendly reminder. If you won Monster Jam tickets the last few days, or all week really, right here on ESPN 690, you have to get over here and pick them up as uh, the event is this weekend. And you have to get here before COB. You know what that is? No, sure don't. COB? Yeah. Corn on the cob? <laughs> That would be C O C. We have corn. C O C. Well, I don't know if we're growing out today. What's up? It's raining outside. I don't want to do that. No, I don't know. Close of business. Talking? Close of business. Yeah. Oh, you just say before we're closed. <laughs> kind of, you know, kind of, kind of save the. I think it's C O B. You yeah, don't, you don't know what it is, do you? I think it's, it's all good. <laughs> but by all means, keep going. Listen, you're fine. Listen, my day doesn't end at five. Okay. <laughs> And by the way, for so many people's days, it ended at five. On Fridays, they end at like three. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, but anyway. It's already in the parking lot. Pick up your damn Monster Jam tickets. That's what the moral of this story <laughs> there is. There it is. Uh, don't let them go to waste. Yep. It's in the arena this weekend, uh, Monster Jam. All right. We've been, I want to hang on the tight ends for a little bit longer. Caught up with Jeff Swain. Jaguars tight end. You mentioned it. A little bit of an injury past. Mm-hmm. A very unproven guy. Awesome. I mean, we I mean, have, that's what I'm talking about. With okay, you get excited about him. I think he's looked good out there at times. I mean, but I really don't have any expectations for this guy. I, I really don't have any expectations for James O'Shaughnessy. I don't really have expectations for Ben Koyak. I did have expectations for Josh Oliver because I thought it would happen at some point. Yeah. Now my expectations were consistent with what I thought, and that is usually tight ends are slow to come along. My expect my hope level. My ceiling for him in year one went up a little bit than nor- more than normal because of DiFilippo. And I think it does for all these guys. Yeah. I have a lot of faith in what DiFilippo does with his tight ends because the resume says so. All mm-hmm. you have to do is look back on it. 
yeah. from Gary Barnage to Zach Ertz to Kyle Rudolph to all of them. So I think there, that's not a blind faith. That The faith is in John Filippo and Nick Foles more so than in the players that are playing the tight end position with all due respect to them. True. I, I'll give you that. But we're talking about Jeff Swam, a guy who's been in the league now going on his fifth season. One touchdown. One. Yeah. But he could you have. Know? But this could be... I mean, no, this no, I, be, I understand that. Hey, I, and this could be the spot for him. And I understand that, man. I, I can kind of see the sun kind of poking <laughs> out through the clouds right now. He's trying to pump some of that sunshine. But I'm just you saying, I mean, the socks, the rainbow socks. I wear the socks as well. But, but I'm just saying, you know, I mean, he has to be the guy now. I mean, he's kind of the guy I think is expected. You don't think Josh Howard didn't come in and steal the show right away. But can you have a lot of confidence in a guy that's got one touchdown and... Four years? No, not really. Yeah. No. I, again, I have more confidence in the OC and the QB yeah. getting no, them the ball. To, to, don't get me wrong. He sat, sat behind a, a Hall of Famer in Dallas for a while. Yeah, yeah. So, to be fair, but still. Yeah, more <laughs> been injuries uh, yeah. that have kind of derailed what he could be or potentially could be. Yeah. All right, Coos, let's get to it. Jeff Sway and my conversation uh, with the Jaguars tight end after practice today. And uh, so far, so good for number 87. And now his role will likely even increase more over the next month and maybe the early weeks of the 2019 season because of the injury to Josh Oliver. Well, here we are, man, 10 days in, you got, or almost 10 days in. It looks like you guys had some success on the offensive side of the ball. Are you, yeah. you happy with where you guys are at? Yeah, we have a lot of stuff to improve on, obviously, and individually I know I have a lot to clean up, um, some route running details, things like that. But, yeah, we've made a lot of progress, um, and that's kind of the, the goal of this training camp or any training camp really is just to see where you're at initially, um, set a goal, and then just take incremental steps to get there. I think uh, Flip said the other day he said he's pretty happy with the way everybody's lining up and adapting to that part of it, knowing the playbook. Sure. Uh, and I'm assuming with the new offensive coordinator, that's kind of half the battle. Yeah, it is. I mean, anytime you learn a new offense, it's hard to uh, to get everyone on the same page. And so most of our training camp is spent, you know, just going over simple things. When we get that down, we can advance a little bit. But for now, yeah, it's, it's just simple fundamentals. All right, Baltimore's coming. Uh, I'm sure you like that, right? Uh, the yeah. old cliche of hitting somebody else yeah, uh, this sure. time of camp. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, after a while, seeing our defense, he can only give you so many looks. And they do a great job of switching things up and being multiple in their fronts. But, yeah, it'll be nice to go against somebody else and just, and just practice against a defense that maybe does something a little different. Uh, what's your impressions of Nick in camp so far and, and how that chemistry with all the guys, but maybe even you, are going? Yeah, Nick's great, man. He's a, he's a real sharp dude. He throws a real good ball. He just does little things really well. You know, his he move, the way he moves defenders with his eyes, that kind of stuff. And then his leadership, he has a clear focus on what he's doing, and he can communicate that to us in the huddle. So he's never, the situation doesn't ever seem too big. or You know, he's just he's just playing ball and having fun. So I really enjoy that. Uh, it looks like the young guy, Josh Oliver, before the injury uh, was coming along okay. Uh, what did you see out of <laughs> Leonard says he, maybe not. What do you think about him so far as he was coming along yeah. in, in this first year for him. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, you never like to see a guy go down uh, for any length of time. Josh is playing really well, and he goes about it the right way. He's a good work ethic. He's a really long, athletic player, and so you know, putting him in space and letting him run and high-pointing the ball, things like that, he does that really well. But what happened to Josh is it's unfortunate. I've been on that side of things a little bit in my career, so I understand it. I remember when we talked to you in the spring, uh, one of the reasons you loved coming here is because of uh, Flip and how he uses the tight ends. Yeah. I mean, uh, 
Are you seeing that day in, day out, yeah. meeting rooms out on the practice field? Yeah, absolutely. He, he does a great job of moving us around. But then that's the challenge, too, is, you know, you're going to be in different spots quite often. And so you have to make sure that you're on you're on your A game when it comes to formations and stuff. That's a work in progress for me. Um, there's going to be mistakes. You're going to line up in the wrong spot sometimes. And that's just the nature of learning an offense. But he does a great job of putting us in positions to be successful. Last one for you. You mentioned the defense. How challenging is this defense uh, day in, day out? Uh, how talented they can be. Yeah, they, they just present a lot of problems the way they line up. And so they can they can create fronts um, out of a four-down front, a traditional four-down front, and create these odd fronts and move guys around, bring pressure where you don't expect. And then they have the ability to drop guys in the coverage that you wouldn't expect either because they're athletic. So that creates a problem. It's, it's a great challenge for us on offense because it, it forces us to – be able to run our concepts against you know linebackers one on one with Trish and we'd be lined up against safeties but our linebackers are athletic and they can run so you know they cover us in man coverage a lot just things like that that you don't typically get, I haven't seen a lot in my career um, a defense that can move and do what they do as well as they do it so it's it's a great challenge uh, I perked up a little bit Brent <laughs> <laughs> it's a I little knew, caffeine for me right there I knew you like that caffeine. last answer yeah yeah various fronts odd fronts. Guys standing up, drop back into coverage. Brent, it's so hard to stay humble on this show sometimes, dude. It is so hard to stay humble. But I'm going to try. I'm going to try for our fans to stay humble here. Talk about, is this, uh, is that part of their defense, what they do with their safeties and linebackers? I think we talk about the Saxonville part of it, right? The defensive ends. Obviously, a lot of conversation about Yannick Ngakwe right now. We'll get to that a little bit more uh, later. And I think... uh, uh, maybe a little bit more of an update on his situation. Hope to be able to give you later in the show. Uh, but we'll definitely hear from Todd Wash on Yannick Ngakwe. But we talk about Saxville. We talk about Ramsey. But what does get forgotten at times is the linebacking group and also the safeties in this defense because the other guys are so flashy yeah. and the, the numbers are sexy and, and that's where you see the highlights. So I guess I really don't think about it as much like this is what allows those other guys to be so great is the matchup problems their defense causes with their speed at linebacker mm-hmm. and what sometimes the safeties can do. I mean, Tayshawn Gibson, what he did to Rob Gronkowski here against the Patriots, mm-hmm. that stood out to everybody. Yeah. You know, And you have to be able to do that, especially this defense at times has had trouble over the years, this scheme, giving up big plays to tight ends. Yeah. So that was a big thing. But what he said about linebackers being able to get on those guys, maybe even a Josh Allen out of the backfield being able to – Go with a running back. I'm, you know, who knows who they'll throw him on. Mm-hmm. Um, is that is that kind of the secret ingredient of this defense uh, of why it's so good that we don't talk enough about? The secret ingredient being that they have so much speed on the back end. Well, uh, in the middle yeah. part. Yeah, really, yeah. That I mean, middle. I, mean, yeah, absolutely. I know I'm not breaking of, news. We know no, it is. I'm just yeah, saying we don't talk good. about it as much. But Swaim, the way he put it into context there, kind of showed you the matchup problems for some offenses. Yeah. Um, no, at the time you have speed, uh, it's going to help out a lot. But guarding what he said and kind of what I've seen at practice, I'm willing to make this, I don't really call, I want to call it a prediction, but I'm willing to say this about the Jaguars' defense here. And knowing what I know about Dom Capers of my time being a Packers fan growing up, um, I think what you have here is a defense that knows what they want to do on first and second down. Uh, they're going to play with what they've done before, Okay. What they're trying to focus on now, I think, is the money downs. And I, the money down, I mean third down. And I don't know what the percentages are last year, Brent, of how good the Jaguars were on third down, you know, on third and short, third and long. Don't have those numbers in front of me. I'm curious to see them. 
But what I think is going to happen with this defense is on first and second down, you're going to see the traditional defense that you've always seen from the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then in that third down, when it's third and long, you know it's going to be a passing situation. That's where the confusion comes in. That's where the safeties maybe switch positions. That's where maybe you're going to see a defensive lineman drop back into coverage. You see a linebacker come up. That's where you see guys standing up in general. Um, I'll never forget, uh, Capers had this, this scheme called, I think it was called a psycho scheme. And it was kind of revolutionary at the time where on third downs, no one had their hand in the dirt. Uh, all the linemen stood up. And basically what he did was he would send four guys, whether it was linebackers, uh, defensive tackles, defensive ends, but he would send four guys. And the other guys dropped back into coverage. Now sometimes defensive tackles would drop back into coverage. Sometimes the ends would. But the whole thing is confusion because – if you're on offense right now, you're like a well-oiled machine, right? And the last thing you want to do is think about what, who you have to block, where's the pressure coming from. And I think that's what with, with Capers does so well. And if you look at the speed that the Jaguars had, the athleticism, like you mentioned, I think on the, the money down on third down, that's where you're going to see the changes. Ah, so you're telling me on the, that we're going to get a little exotic. I think we'll get a little exotic, yeah, yeah. You know, from from uh, from going from like a... A Chrysler Sebring for the past two years, you know, just kind of generic, but it's dependable. Third down, you might see more of like a, a Ferrari or a Porsche. Mm, I like we'll it. We'll see. I like it. Yeah. They've got some Lamborghinis and a Lambo. Nothing against the Chrysler Sebring, by the way. No, nothing at all. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry Mincy drove one of those for like four years in Did Jacksonville. Really? Yeah, so nothing against the Chrysler Seth's Sebring. parents had a Chrysler Sebring. Yeah. We used to drive that yeah. all around and up you know there what? in Columbus, It's Ohio. dependable. It works, but sometimes <laughs> you need a little bit of the exotic it's up there. It's got to be a convertible. Oh, of course. Got it. Are they convertible. only convertibles, Chrysler Sebrings? I feel like with a name like Sebring, it better be a convertible. Better be a convertible. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, Monster Jam tickets, let's give them away right now. Star Star 690 or 904-362-9901. 904-362-9901 or get in quick. Star Star 690. We've got a four-pack to Monster Jam this weekend. Veterans Memorial Arena. Give us a buzz right now, and you can win. We're going to do a little early balling and falling because we have a couple calls lined up starting at 4 o'clock. Ryan Clark from ESPN. Talking a little NFL with us at four, but next, Ballin' and Fallin'. Welcome back here on a Friday. Hope you're having a good day. Drive safe out there. Man, it was an ugly day. Just ugly. Yeah. And then once again, I mean, Doug Marone has figured out the weather. That's for sure. Sign him up. Look out, Mike Burrish. <laughs> but it didn't rain down there while we were there. I mean, it might have sprinkled. It looked dark at times. And then as soon as I left the stadium, it downpoured on my way back. And it's been raining ever since. Although we might get a little sunshine and rainbows on a Friday. <laughs> I feel like you keep on pumping it up a little bit. We can't. That's fine. I'll throw a little sunshine and rainbows. Hey, 4 o'clock, Ryan Clark is going to join us from ESPN. Look forward to catching up with him. I think he does a nice job on ESPN as an analyst, studio analyst, and uh, get his thoughts on the Jags and everything else around the NFL. Uh, that'll be a fun discussion. 4.30, Will Salmon coming up. Uh, we'll also have uh, an update, we hope, of, of some kind, or at least a conversation. I don't want to get uh, that. That was a little too hard of a sell, an update. Um, I'll tell you the latest I'm hearing in the Yannick Ngakwe situation. Let's just say that cool. from an update standpoint. Nothing official, but the latest uh, I'll share on the Yannick Ngakwe situation coming up in a bit. But let's do a little balling and falling here on a Friday at 349. Uh, you want to go first? Or nope. on? Okay, then I'll get it real quick. Oh, what do you mean? I told you it was coming up. Yeah, but I was doing some other work. Like, here. what are you eating over there? Oh, dude, so I'm not sure we that got... smells very good. Sorry, man. It's uh, it's uh, spicy curry. So probably not going to smell the best. Yeah, it's not a good smell. That doesn't mean it doesn't taste Spoiler good. Spoiler alert, tastes really good. Does so it? sorry, man. 
I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Are those uh, noodles or? Yeah, yeah. So I we can't have, really make we it have out. Some, uh, we have some udon noodles. Go ahead and get cultured a little bit. Udon, I I know that. Okay, and then uh, yeah, we got some uh, red curry. Awesome. Yeah, like it. Should I say where it's from or not? Probably not because they're they're not cutting us the check. Oh, or you anything. didn't make it. I thought oh, no, the I, way you said you thought I made this right here. No, I didn't think you okay. made it. No, you didn't. my well, wife couldn't make it, it either. No, she didn't make it either. Okay. I I got it from somewhere that rhymes with uh, Kento. So take it for how you want it. Okay. You got it? Nope. Bento. <laughs> it's Bento, Brent. Well, that's what I thought. Is that yeah. over at the town center? Yeah, 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 yeah. Over near yeah. where uh, like Best Buy used to be? Correct. Yep. Good call. You know, I want to do like a, a one day we'll have like a one sentence or thought and see how many places we can name in the same. It'd be like a NASCAR race. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can see what happens. How many places we can name that don't advertise with yep. us? Uh, so, Brent, you'll be happy to know that Kuz actually contributed to the show today. But needless to say, I already had this story chalked up for my balling. Okay. I'm not sure if he has audio it's for it or not. got to be with the NBA. Doesn't, no, actually baseball, MOB. Wait Kuz, a minute. Kuz, Kuz really... He should not have audio. In the break, he asked, do you have audio today with the ball and the fall? No, and you said he, no. He sent me some audio, though. I'm not, it's not that good of audio. I'm just saying, yeah, he doesn't. No audio. All right. Just confirm no audio. But balling, Brent, uh, if this story doesn't get made into a movie on the Disney Channel in the next five years, then Disney lo- no longer likes making money. Nathan Patterson, you know who this kid is? I, yeah, I've, I've heard of him. Okay, so Nathan Patterson just signed a contract with the Oakland A's. Not a big deal. But the story is how he signed the contract and why. Patterson was a Rocky was at a Rockies game when he stepped up to the, the speed pitch challenge machine uh, and needless to say, threw a 96-mile-per-hour fastball. And thankfully, someone got that on video. Uh, the A's proceeded to send him the contract and receiving the video, and guess what? The dude signed. Uh, a little background on Patterson real quick. He uh, he first started the journey as a, an MLB player when he threw 95 miles per hour on the radar machine at the Nashville Sounds game. Uh, after he had not thrown a baseball in a couple years, throws 95 at the Sounds game, he takes it upon himself to start training for baseball again. Um, while he was doing that, he was struck by a car and had to have surgery Jeez. on his non-throwing uh, wrist. Um, made a full recovery, made a comeback, proceeds to go to Colorado, throws 96 miles per hour, and needless to say, the rest is history. And now he's a, an Oakland A. Well, he's not an Oakland A. He's in the farm system. But uh, signed a contract off a speed pitch machine. Very good. How's that for a... Uh, that's awesome. A cool story. That is like a little Disney, uh, the rookie or something. Yeah. Right? Isn't that what it's called? The rookie, I think it is. Uh, the, that's is that like the old guy? He's a teacher, right? Yeah, he's a the teacher. Old guy comes back. He's still... What's that dude's name? The actor. Come on, Coos. Help us out here. I'll find it he's in good a second. Acting. Yeah, he's all right. I like that movie. I've actually never seen it. I'm gonna be honest. I saw the the trailer. I'm like, yeah. I'm somebody, good. somebody, else, somebody's probably driving like a course. Brent likes that movie. <laughs> well, it's it's a baseball. Movie. Wait, one question, quick, before we get back into ball and fall. Is it his last name Q? It begins with a Q. Uh, De- Dennis Quaid or Randy Quaid? It's one of it's one of the Quaid brothers. Uh, I don't know, but see, I was right. Quaid. Good call. It is Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid. Uh, I think Randy Quaid was Gosh, Uncle Eddie. Even getting the Q right there is good for me. That's like yes, a win sir. for me. But question for you, real quick: best baseball movie of all time? Go. Sandlot? I do like Sandlot. Sandlot? Yeah, I'm, dude, I'm, I'll give you well, Sandlot. I, I debate between Sandlot, uh, Bull Durham, okay. and, I mean, come on, Feel the Dreams is still a baseball movie. It and is. Feel the Dreams is Feel the Dreams. Okay. So I build back, I'd probably on my playlist uh, is, is probably first uh, Sandlot. Okay. Because I've seen it like five million times. Sure. And it seems like it's always on. Oh, it is. Yeah, and, it's on the MLB Network sometimes. Yeah, when play and it, I don't yeah. like. I don't watch uh, Field of Dreams a lot anymore, but I love Field okay. of Dreams. All Sounds right, good. Uh, 
My, you're balling. Balling. Is how about Tony Dungy last night? Did you hear this? I heard it. Is this a good thing or a bad thing, though? Well, I think it's a little love on the... People it's love when he love. makes his predictions that don't go so well, I feel like. Is is he one of those guys? I, I don't know his is. track record. Yeah. But either way, mm-hmm. he said dark horse. And it wasn't like this, oh my gosh, dark horse. It was more like, okay, take away some of the favorites everybody's talking about and who do you think can emerge. And yes. he brought up Nick Foles in the defense and, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So a little love for the Jags last night on the uh, broadcast. And we'll see if he's right. Uh, Fallen, man. Eh, good call. Uh, fallen. Um, Thank you. This is one of uh, this is one of those stories I really don't really want to talk about, but it's fallen. It sucks, so we're gonna talk about it anyways. Um, this was breaking on ESPN last night. It's been everywhere. Uh, Brent kind of pains me to say this, but professional gamer known as Ninja is leaving Twitch for Mixer. Um, and you you don't you know what that means, right? We have to go to Mixer. No, you I mean, but you know what else that means? What? That's one hundred percent what that means. I have, I, I have no idea, Kuz. What does that mean? Because I have no idea Where, what this uh, means at all. Me- Give me five minutes, we'll be on Mixer. I was going to say, no, can we put the show on mean? Mixer? I mean, is this a big deal? Hey, I'm this asking, is, this, this is, is like, your show now, because this, is, this was breaking news at ESPN, and I don't know what's going on. This would be, I'm trying to think of an equivalent, but it's like saying Monday Night Football is going from one channel to another. Could you imagine? That that big a deal, huh? Well, it's pretty big up for I mean, the listen, kids. Yeah. Is he sponsored is so by Mixer? Because we're on it, number one. But on yeah, of, two, course, of course, because of he's the also, gaming world. So He's also, our, like, I mean, telling you, I think he's only been on there for a day now, maybe. It happened yesterday, right? Yeah. I think. So he's been on there for a day now. He's already got 100,000 subscribers. So, so in theory, he's brought that many people over. So obviously he felt ESPN 690 breathing down his neck on Twitch and had to get out of the game, right? <laughs> yep. Now we got to go for him on Mixer. So Let's get it. So, give, give me a second. But, uh, one more question, then we'll get off the, the video gaming before Brent has an aneurysm. Um, so I actually feel like I'm having. Right <laughs> is, is he sponsored by Twitch or Mixer or just? He's sponsored, he's, I know, by like Monster Energy. I think he has something going on with okay. Nike. He's got, but I don't know. So this wasn't oh, really they like a money move. move. Okay, oh, I was gonna say it's to a money him. move. Okay, they had to pay him to come yeah. over. If he's bringing gotcha. hundred thousand subscribers already, yeah, he's definitely done it. The serious question though, Coos, can we put Mix uh, our show on Mixer? Does it work similar yeah. way? Yeah. Oh yeah. To be honest, never heard of Mixer talk until Ninja went there. But how many people had heard of Twitch? It's like, I it's true, on Xbox. True. Like, Xbox has a deal old. with Mixer. So okay. they're, like, wanting to be the well, more popular That's because I'm on PlayStation. Get real. Okay, Brett, you're up. Uh, Fallen will go back to last night's game, and the game stunk. Yep. And do we have to do this game? Do we have to play a game? Oh, yeah. Players, I mean, like, we had Ryan O'Halloran on yesterday, right? Players were like, eh. Right? Yeah. And you start earlier. Mm-hmm. So nobody likes that. Yep. The game's terrible. Yeah. Just, I mean, I, what? I don't know what else you could do. I don't. I, I don't like um, ripping things without a solution. Yeah. I just don't know if it's necessary. Like, what happened yesterday in that game that anybody was like, "All right, this is really going to help us in September." I'll tell you what happened at the game. If I would have played it, I would have lost four bucks playing FanDuel, but I, <laughs> but I didn't take the bet. Smart move. Yeah, I, I, I didn't start Drew Locke at starting quarterback and lose four bucks last night because Brian O'Halloran told me to start Drew Locke. I didn't do that. Not at all. But I get what you're saying, Brent. It was a it was a bad game, kind of a sloppy game. I just don't know what we learned from it. And so, therefore, yeah. it's it's useless for me and to be in prime time and, and all over the country, I think. Do away with it. I don't like it. Yeah. Uh, all right, coming up next on ESPN 690, Ryan Clark from ESPN talks a little football with us.
Hey, thanks for hanging out with us. Four o'clock on a Friday. Hope you're having a good week. Get into that weekend in style. Summer's still around here in Jacksonville, Florida, although a little rainy one. Rainy pattern here in Northeast Florida, but I uh, hope you have a good weekend ahead. And we're out of Sundays, right, without football now? Like football from here on out? I think so, right? I believe so. Like whether For it's the camp next... practices or games. or I mean, so it's regardless, football, football, we have football, football. So my wife's going to be super pumped about that. She likes it. No, I was kidding. <laughs> that, that, that was a joke. But hey, man, sorry I have to turn on the TV and do work. What can I say? Yeah, that's... Now you can get away with that. It's all part of the job. Yeah. And can guess what? I'm going to expense the NFL Network, and I'm going to expense the NFL Red Zone. I know. Wait till you do your Somebody taxes stop. next year, oh, man. it's going to be so breezy, <laughs> so man. Different. Oh, yeah. A lot of money coming back. Brent Martineau, who's been doing his taxes like that for a while. <laughs> Austin Lane, former Jacksonville Jaguar, now can do his taxes like that. Can't wait. And I don't know what you can expense for being a an MMA fighter currently, but uh, do what you got to do. I will. Right now, uh, we won't talk taxes with this next guest, but we will talk a little football. Ryan Clark from ESPN, former Pittsburgh Steeler, Washington Redskin, New York Giant. It's got a nice little resume there. How you doing, Ryan? Oh, uh, that just means you were never good enough to stay somewhere very long. That's all that <laughs> hey, you, got, <laughs> you got a Super Bowl ring. That's good enough for me. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a good run, man. It was a good run for sure. How you guys doing? We're doing, doing fantastic. Great. Thanks for hanging out with us. I I always like to get uh, impressions from afar on the Jacksonville Jaguars. We, of course, talk to Jags a lot. Uh, and I know... In your line of work, and you're talking all 32 teams, the Jacksonville Jaguars are always high on that list. At sometimes when Jalen Ramsey uh, becomes <laughs> a big topic or Nick Foles because of the offseason, I get it. Uh, but what, what do you guys say about the Jacksonville Jaguars? What are people in Bristol talking about when the well, Jaguars come up? Well, the one thing I think is that the Jacksonville Jaguars have been a conversation. And two years ago, they were part of the main conversation. They were part of the conversation of, one, will they beat the New England Patriots and be the representative of the AFC conference in the Super Bowl? And then the next conversation was, could they take the next step? And then you get the offseason with Jalen Ramsey talking about every quarterback but his own. And and then we saw, though, we saw the chink in the armors, uh, the chinks in the armor, whether it be Leonard Fournette and the injuries and the suspensions, and then having to put games on Blake Bortles' arm and not being able to do it. And so when you look at this team, this is a team that took a step backwards, but I believe you go addition by subtraction. And obviously Nick Foles is an upgrade at the quarterback position for the Jacksonville Jaguars, but even more than that, to not have to go into every game and think we have to shut every team out or this defense has to be dominant or the run game has to win the day for us, that's a comforting feeling knowing you have a Super Bowl MVP at quarterback and the guy that we saw in Philadelphia really capture a locker room that was previously owned by a quarterback that was still on the roster. That was the second overall pick of the draft. And so I think the Jacksonville Jaguars have an opportunity to be really good this year. Uh, Leonard Fournette, who's somebody I know personally, I know his trainer personally, somebody who took this offseason and and attacked it in a different way than we've seen him since he's been in the league or even when he was at LSU. 
and my alma mater. So I'm expecting the Jacksonville Jaguars to be better. Uh, I'm expecting them to compete with the Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texas uh, Texans to win the AFC South. And so it'll be a good year for them, especially when you compare it to what we saw last year. Ryan Clark from ESPN here on ESPN 690 in Jacksonville talking a little bit about uh, the Jaguars and all things NFL. Uh, let's. By the way, what you said about Nick Foles is right on. He's already done that in short time, I think, with that locker room here in Jacksonville. But I want to stay on Leonard Fournette. Uh, you know him a bit. Uh, we know how big of a year this is for Leonard Fournette. How much do you think players sense that, too, uh, as a guy who's been around it for a while? Uh, Leonard knows he had a nice rookie season. I don't think he gets enough credit for his rookie year, quite honestly. I thought he was really, really good. He changed the dynamic of this franchise at the time, and I don't think they get to an AFC Championship game without Leonard Fournette. But I don't think he gets a lot of that credit because of some of the -the off-the-field shenanigans and other things that have transpired, and that included not staying healthy a year ago. Last year was a bad year for Leonard Fournette in a Jacksonville Jaguars uniform. This one seems to be a big year for Leonard Fournette, and he's approached it the right way, it seems, from the offseason and even early in training camp. How much do you think he senses that this is a big one? Oh, he understands it. I mean, Leonard Leonard is a guy who even though he plays the running back position, has a huge understanding of football, right? This is the Leonard Fournette's been a star since his freshman year at St. St. Augustine High School. Leonard Fournette was on ESPN in high school. He was obviously coming into LSU, the number one overall recruit in the country. And so he's always understood the game. He's always had lofty expectations. And now there's never been a year in his life where there's more pressure on him to perform than this year. And and I agree with you. He approached the off season in that way. He's approached the the you know, the early training camp process in that way. And I think even from handling handling his business in a different way, just as a man, um, Leonard has transformed into understanding that listen, I need to be a pro. I need to be an adult. I need to be mature. I need to be reliable. I need to be accountable. In order to be those things, he needs to be available. And I think that's what you saw in the offseason, him understanding he had to get his body in the shape it needed to be in order to perform at the level we saw his rookie year or maybe even better. If if you're from Louisiana, you've been hearing about Leonard Fournette for a decade now. Uh, You know what he's capable of. Um, You know what has been expected of of him for a long time. And I think he is ready to provide that for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And having a guy like a Nick Foles from a leadership perspective, also from a production perspective, where you're actually, can you believe it, you're going to have to guard the pass when you play the Jacksonville Jaguars this year? I I mean, it's just like a novel thought that that's something you'll have to do. And so I think those things combined, Leonard Fournette comes back and has a good year, Um, you know, following, like what you said, a year that was a disappointment. Hey, Ryan Austin Lane here. Um, You're a guy that understands the defensive back position very well. You have your own kind of program called DB Precision where you kind of train guys Mm -hmm. and everything. You mentioned Jalen Ramsey a little bit. And, you know, let's talk to the casual NFL fan listening right now. What is the biggest thing that you tell them to look for in a secondary player to determine if they're a great player or not? One, not giving up plays. Um, to be honest, and, and I think it's, it's something that's overlooked because we've become a world where we want to see the interceptions, we want to see uh, the, the huge fumbles, forced fumbles, but you can't give up big plays, when, and especially when you're a guy like Jalen Ramsey who's going to talk, who's going to be targeted because they know you're a man-to-man very often. You know, a guy like Jalen Ramsey has to stop the ball from getting over the top because when you do that, as this, as, as this team did two years ago, you become hard to score 
Um, I talk about Ike Taylor a lot when I speak about corners. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Ike had hands like feet. Really, it was because you legit could have put cleats on his on the end of his wrist. That was the way he caught the ball. But I'm just, I'm just being serious. But he he didn't give up plays. You know, he was a guy who would go through a season and have 20 pass defense just because he couldn't catch. But you couldn't get balls over the top of him. He tackled us. So I think that is the first thing. Now, what you go to after that is what Jalen Ramsey has, and that's all the things you can't coach. If you go back to the Pittsburgh Steelers matchup last year against Antonio Brown, he has the two best catches of the game, and it's not even close. And he doesn't even play receiver. He goes over Antonio Brown's head um, in the second half, and early on in the first half, he comes off of his man on the outside to a seam route and makes a heck of a grab. And so those type of things that Jalen Ramsey can do, you can't coach. You can't coach his height. You can't coach his length. You can't coach that type of explosion. And so, though, when you're trying to find a good player, when you're trying to find a player that can make you a good defense, you look at what he doesn't do, what he doesn't give up, how he doesn't hurt you. But when you're talking about a transcendent talent or a transcendent player, which I believe Jalen Ramsey is, I think he's kind of talked himself into – people not necessarily loving him, and so they're going to look for any reason to knock him down. But he's a transcendent talent at the position. It's all the things that we've never seen people do, things that can't be coached. And the willingness that he has to say Tyreek Hill, Antonio Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, even though AJ is on the other side, I'm the man that's going to stand in front of you and guard you all day. Those things combined make Jalen Ramsey a difference maker. They make him different. And the truck that he showed up in for camp is going to be full of a lot of cash at some point. Yes, it will. <laughs> Ryan, well, you talk about transcendent players. You know, you spent some time in Washington. You spent some time in Pittsburgh. And, you know, from yourself playing the safety position, you played with two of the greatest players of all time at safety in Troy Palomalu and Sean Taylor. Can you just um, kind of talk about them a little bit? What made them so great and what were some of their differences? I think I think kind of just what I was talking about with Jalen, you know, like those two dudes from a, a talent perspective were, were just freaks of nature, and they both were so different. You know, Sean was, was tall and long, and he, and he was fast and explosive, but he was also the meanest person on the football field I've ever met. <laughs> he, 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 he just had, he had no friends. He had no ties to anyone that wasn't wearing a, a Washington uniform. And when you play the game in that manner, and when you play the game with those type of bad intentions, and you couple it with talent like we've never seen before at the position. I know, you know, there, there are other guys in the Hall of Fame. Uh, there are guys, you know, you look at the Ronnie Lots and even Ed Reed, mm-hmm. who's coming up this year. Those guys didn't have his type of talent. Those guys couldn't do the things that we got to see Sean do just a little bit. Um, just a little story about him. In his first training camp, Greg Williams was our defensive coordinator, and he was very big on ball disruptions, you know, whether you tip the ball, force the fumble, interception. We finished training camp. Sean had, like, 15 interceptions, 20 total ball disruptions, <laughs> and he wasn't even trying. You know, like, the next closest guy had, like, six, and that dude was really working to make the team. Sean already knew he was the guy. And so it just – he did things that we couldn't do, that mere mortals, that people who were born from regular earth-dwelling mothers and fathers can't do. He was that different. And then Troy, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I was sitting in the middle of the field. We're playing the Atlanta Falcons. So this one was when Michael Vick was Michael Vick. Of course. Troy's, Troy's playing the middle hook 
hook player. So he's basically standing probably 20 yards away from Michael Vick where he dropped into the backfield, and they're staring at each other. Michael Vick takes off, and he's trying to get to the pylon, and it was the greatest race I'd ever seen. It was like watching Carl Lewis in his prime and Usain Bolt. It was just that (laughs) phenomenal to watch. And I tell people all the time, from standing straight up to running, Troy was the fastest person I'd ever seen. He was the most instinctive player I'd ever been around. I remember I used to always tell him, hey, man, what makes you jump over the line of scrimmage? Like, how are you timing this out? And Troy was a a big thinker. He was into jiu-jitsu and meditation. So he goes, well, Ryan, you know, I look at their knuckles, and then I see them breathing. I was like, hey, bro. I was like, because what you're talking about, I can't do nothing with it. So I'm not going to waste your time and finish listening to this story in the internet, and you're not going to waste mine because it's never going to happen for me. That's, That's awesome. a great story yeah. on uh, Troy Palomalo <laughs> and Sean Taylor. We're with Ryan Clark uh, from ESPN, uh, studio analyst for ESPN on a bunch of different shows. You've seen him for the last few years, former Pittsburgh Steeler, Washington Redskin, uh, New York Giant. All right, a couple quick hitters, and I'll let you go so I don't keep it too long. Uh, your, your most intriguing, interesting, fascinating team to watch this year, uh, not name the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay. Why? For me, for me, it's the Philadelphia Eagles. It's 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 Carson Wentz, right? It's Carson Wentz, and now you add Deshaun Jackson, and you've you've added some cornerbacks, and you have some young guys. Not necessarily added, but uh, uh, Douglas is playing better now. Sydney is finally getting the opportunity to to be healthy, and you know Jalen Mills comes off of a year that wasn't great, but Avante Maddox has played well. Carson Wentz is now a big money guy, right? After a year where he didn't even finish. Right, he hasn't finished in two years, and so this is a team that won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Carson Wentz comes back, don't, doesn't quite get there. He gets injured. Nick Foles is back. What is this team going to do? Right, Doug, Doug Peterson has proved beyond a shadow of a doubt he can really coach football. You know, for what he's done being the coach there, we know that he can really coach football. Can this team be a team that now wins the Super Bowl? with the dude that they've tabbed as the franchise guy. I am just interested in seeing what it will look like with knowing you don't have that the great backup, knowing that Carson Wentz has to be the man, adding different pieces. Now across from Alshon Jeffrey, you have one of the greatest deep threats this game's ever seen in Deshaun Jackson. What is the run game going to look like? This is a team that's going to have high expectations no matter what you think about how they finished last year. And so can they live up to those expectations or does Carson Wentz get, get this deal and this thing just flop? One more for you. Your former team, Pittsburgh Steelers, is it is there any chance they're better without Antonio no. Brown and Le'Veon Bell? You know, no, and the record could say something different if you guys understand that. Yeah. Um, they're not as scary to defend. They're – they're definitely not as talented in either of those positions, but you you get a lot of the drama. You get a lot of the dissension. A lot of the division is gone, right? And sometimes it's not necessarily the best teams or the most talented teams that win more games. It's a team that's talented enough with a future Hall of Fame quarterback, with one of the best coaches in the league that's a great organization that now has harmony. Right, that that now has had to galvanize and come together because people are saying, okay, maybe they won't be as good. Or even though the locker room was torn up with these guys, those guys are 
talents like the game has never seen. You know, for six years, Antonio Brown's been on a historic run. What does Juju Smith-Schuster do? So now this team has to come together to answer all of these questions. So whereas they might not be as fun to watch or they might not put up as many points, this could be a team that plays better for my special teams, offense, defensive, complementary standpoint has in a long time, and that's what's been missing in Pittsburgh. Ron, I got one more question for you, man. Going to get a little off topic here, but I, I got to share this thing. And before I share this uh, this story, Brent, if the phone first goes of all, out, this is probably because of your question. I'm going to turn to my co-host. Do not judge me. This is a judgment-free zone. Okay, this okay. is like this is like Planet Fitness of Sports Radio. All right, so Ryan, back in 2013, <laughs> this would have been my third year in the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, me and the defensive line went to go see a movie called The Dark Knight Rises, and in that scene, um, in that scene, you you were featured and you're in that movie, and you're part of probably the most traumatic scene any football player could watch. Now, let's fast forward to when the season started, because that was during training camp we saw that movie. The season starts, uh, we're waiting for the National Anthem to go on, it goes on, and all of a sudden I see one of my teammates kind of looking around during the National Anthem, looking a little stressed, (laughs) and I'm like, you know, and obviously we're not going to talk to the National Anthem, but when the anthem was over, I I turned to my teammate Terrence Knight and called him Pot Roast. I'm like, Pot Roast, man, you all right? He's like, Man, I thought Ben was going to come through and I'd blow up the field. <laughs> and to, to kind of set the scene real quick, Ryan was featured in a, in a Batman movie where the, the villain Bane basically blows up the field and then the players go down in the field and it's, it's, it's gnarly being a football player. But my question to you, Ryan, was how was it filming that scene and how many takes did it uh, have to take basically to get through it? First of all, it took a, it took a ton of takes. Okay. And, and so check this out, bro. So we do that on our off morning in camp. We had to be at the at the, it was not a smart choice. It's one of those things that you know, like all football players want to do different things, right? Like yeah. we want to play basketball, we want to be in movies, we want to do we want to do all these things. So we all get up at like five o'clock. We're there, and it's take after take after take, and all the cool stuff that y'all got to see. Yeah. that doesn't happen when we're standing there. You know what I mean? Like they do all of that after. So really, man. It gave me a lot of respect for actors. And if I had to stand there for the 20, 25, 30 takes that it was, I definitely should have been in the movie more than I was. <laughs> Fair enough, man. And not only that, it turned you to, instead of Hollywood to Bristol, Connecticut to talk some more football. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, Ryan Clark, couldn't catch it up with you. Thanks for spending some time. Maybe we can do it again during the season. Yes, sir, man. Have a good one. Thanks, All right. Dude. Appreciate it. Uh, Ryan Clark, uh, former uh, giant Steeler, Redskin. And uh, actor, actor, yeah. I'm telling you, man, that that, that, scene, that scene, like, I'm not even trying to exaggerate. Whenever the national anthem played, like, you kind of got a little goosebumps. Like, where, I, where's Bane at? I, right I kind of yeah. picture Knight and looking around. Oh on yeah, that. dude, he was like, you, I mean, we're all kind of stressing about it because we all thought about it. We shouldn't think about that. I don't think a, a hooded guy's gonna come in and blow the field up. But yeah, we're stressing, man. Ryan Clark talked a little Jalen Ramsey. What Todd Wash has to say about getting even more out of Jalen Ramsey. How do you do that? How coachable is he? And I got a little fun story from today's scrimmage on Ramsey. Next on ESPN 690. Yeah. No, I mean, he's a he's a competitor. You know, so he wants to strive and get better every day. And I think Tim 
has developed a great relationship with him, and uh, he can talk to him like a man. And I think that's really helped with the development of Jalen, how he's matured over the last year, and the relationship he has with his position coach. Because um, we got to push him not to just be one of the best corners in the league, to be the elite corner in the league, and that's where he wants to be. And I think that's where we come in as coaches is we got to push him and try to take him farther than he thinks he can go. That's Todd Wash on Jalen Ramsey. Asked him this morning, uh, just it, it, how do you coach this guy who's already so self-driven? Yeah. You know, and it's like, and he, you know, he might not come to OTAs, but he's ready to go. You know, he might, you know, miss a practice yesterday, soreness wise, and he's ready to go today. And I think those guys can sometimes be hard to coach, right? I mean, how do you get? You're trying to get everybody to be their best, but how do you get a great player to go above that? And I thought it was a yeah. pretty good answer from Todd Walsh to say, hey, we got to try to find ways to get this guy even places he doesn't think he can go. So it sounds like it's more of a mental game than anything else uh, with Jalen Ramsey. Agreed. I mean, I guess you got to find new ways to push him, though, right? When you talk about Jalen Ramsey, I mean, he's already elite as it is. So I think the fact that you can keep on challenging him, you know, finding new ways, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. Yeah. Brent Morno, Austin Lane, John Bachman with us here. A little TV time. Turn the guy's one, mic on, too. Come one, on, man. One quick story on uh, uh, Ramsey yep. said from today. So, you know, he did it. He was out yesterday, soreness, uh, just typical training camp kind of stuff. Comes back today. And there's a play in the flat to Dee Westbrook. And Westbrook, yeah, maybe a little like six, seven yard play. So Westbrook catches it and turns. And when he turns, Jalen Ramsey is like right there, almost in his face, like a step away from his face to the point where, you know, everybody, you pull up, you don't hit him in yeah. training camp, but their helmets actually hit each other. He gave him like a love tap with a helmet. You know, it's it almost like this raging bull. Like, yeah, yeah. Hey, just to let you know, I would have blew your, you know what up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so he actually come, he's run, so he runs all the way down, like 20 yards past the line of scrimmage. Then he's coming back, and it's not a lot of people in there. It's quiet, and he's like, that was an incomplete pass. He's like, I would have blown your bleeping head off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And you know but, what? He's right. I mean, he would have actually, he would have lit. Any receiver up in that moment. Have you seen the picture of <laughs> Armstead truck sticking Quincy Williams? Uh, yeah, I saw the video. Ooh, I mean, just saying, that's a Facebook profile picture for Armstead. Yeah. If, if, oh, I, I didn't if see I'm the him. picture. There's an oh, actual no, there's still a, of it? There's an actual still oh, where okay, Quincy Williams. Uh, and listen, this is my Murray State guy, all right? I don't like talking about him like this. But his helmet goes flying, and he's kind of getting knocked on his back, and Armstead just lowers his shoulder. I wonder if it's there's a It's a Facebook little, profile you know, picture. Today, it's not a live scrimmage today. Like it, They called it scrimmage. It wasn't really scrimmage, in my opinion. But it wasn't live. Yet there were guys going to the ground today, and there were guys being hit today. And I think a little bit of that running back stuff yesterday, there's been some of that at camp. I think the running backs were like, you know what, I'm tired of getting hit. I'm about to pop you right here if you get sure. too close. That's what it kind of <laughs> seemed like. I hope that's not how Williams got hurt, right? I mean, it's not. Knee, though, I think there's yeah. a lot of assumption that on that play, something happened to Williams. Well, I think what Doug Marone said is he's been dealing with it all week, yeah. some soreness there, and, and kind of noticed it. So uh, well, you asked uh, the original you me question. The is it? That's, that's a, a picture. That's a I mean, that's, picture. Uh, if you're on set, that's that's a Facebook profile picture right there, man. Whoops. Yeah, that's a Snapchat profile. Do they yeah. have Snapchat profile pictures? I don't know. I don't have Snapchat. Snapchat. Good. Snapchat. Running back out of temples sure. looks good. I don't have Snapchat. Well, you asked the question. I mean, really, there's only a handful of coaches out there who could possibly answer that question, right? Like you think Phil Jackson with Michael? 
Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I don't even know if you can do that with LeBron. Did anybody I coach mean, LeBron? I, I'm not LeBron sure. LeBron coached LeBron. Think, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, LeBron fired coaches, right? I he mean, did, so, anyway, yeah. so yeah, I, I mean, that's a great question. It's almost, interesting. Uh, you know, it would be a great study is to go to, when you have a player like Jalen hmm. or a player like Brady, you know, yeah. Brady and Belichick, obviously, maybe they yeah. can speak the same same language on that front. Uh, you said Phil Jackson, Michael Jordan, great example. But maybe you almost have to go to the individual coach who coached Tiger Woods, mm-hmm. right? Hank, his uh, dad. Uh, <laughs> well, well, yeah. uh, Why can't I tell? Who was his first you, one coach? Well, was, Hank, it, was, was it Butch uh, Harmon or was it Hank Haney? Oh, I don't Har- know which Harmon. You're right. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of. Nice yeah. A guy cool. like Harmon. Uh, or who coached like Pete Sampras or Roger Federer right. or, you know, one of those more of an individual based. Mm. For those guys, though, it's, I mean, let, let, let's be honest. The, between great and just average, it's mostly between the years, isn't it? I, I'm not an elite athlete, I can't tell you, but I can tell you when I'm sitting next to an elite athlete and you're just like, what makes this person, he looks the same as the other guy that does the same thing. Yeah. yeah. But between the years, it ain't the same. And that's, and that's Thanks, really son. the biggest I, I appreciate that. But you have to remember, too. <laughs> What's up, Brent? <laughs> Did you say athlete or elite? I, 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 elite athlete. What's up? Uh, have you seen me skate? And I've said, I bet, I bet, I deadlifted 450 today. <laughs> Supposedly, uh, fake news. But um, so, but yeah, but he didn't say 450 pounds. He said 450 ounces. But Brent, you probably got to play though with like guys like you know Tiger Woods or Pete Sampras. But you got to remember. Individual sports and team sports are different, though, as well, because you think about, yes, you have this great player in Jalen Ramsey, and you have to coach him, you have to keep him accountable, but you also have to cultivate it to the fact that he has to get along with the teammates, and then the whole culture that you've built uh, embraces him as well. So that's kind of another thing you have to add to it as well. And that's why I thought maybe you have to go outside the box like that, though, yeah. to go to an individual guy just because it's a little abnormal. Mm. You know, you just yeah. don't get that guy very often, mm-hmm. and, and Jalen could be that guy. I mean, great I, problem for our coaching staff to yeah, have, isn't it? Yeah, and I thought uh, Todd Watch's response to that was really good. Yeah, how to coach him. All right, uh, tough to coach uh, main anchors on CBS oh. 47 and Fox. <laughs> Just ask the producers. That's right. <laughs> uh, John Bach with a little TV timeout. What you got tonight on CBS hey 47 and Fox 30? Well, um, a couple of things. First of all, uh, the the Bucky's the big gas station going in yeah, St. John's yeah. County causing some controversy. Hundred plus gas uh, pumps. So there shouldn't be a shortage of places to get your gas down there at World Golf Village. Okay. Um, and that one's at World Golf Village? World Golf Village, Did yeah. Did I see a Busy Bees coming to uh, down there, where there we is, I think there is, but I don't know exactly where it's coming, to be totally You're honest. You're excited for that. Uh, Dude, yeah. I haven't been there yet, man. The, yeah. I, I got to go. Is that, a, is that the... Is that the, the, the uh, Billboard you're seeing? If you see is that a Busy Bees or is that a Bucky's? I think no. it might be for the Bucky's. No, there's one. If you is drive it? south, if you drive south on uh, 95, 95, yeah. uh, before you get to exit 329, which is two, 210, 210, you'll see on the left there's yeah. a Busy Bees coming busy. soon. You're right. You're right. If you're going north on 95 toward a, a 329 yeah. exit, you'll see the, or toward the World Golf Village yeah. exit. That's the you'll Bucky's. see the Bucky's. All right. So anyway, so that's going there. The, the news it's is that they're having to change. <laughs> it is big stuff. Big talk down there in St. John's County. Um, but yeah, there's going to be a bunch of changes to that intersection there at um, World Golf Parkway, International Golf International Parkway. Park. Uh, that that intersection is going to be changing dramatically. So we got a couple things on that. Did you guys see uh, Carson Pickett on the CBS Evening News last night? By the uh, way, I did. That story. She almost was my ball in again today. Oh yeah, man, it was great. great. Stuff. If you haven't seen it, I tweeted it out. Uh, go check check it out there. And then of course yesterday, I missed you guys because I was talking to the mayor about. Two huge, uh, you know, city changing things. The possibility of selling JEA and Lot J. And of course, Lot J is a big deal for everybody listening. Both of them are probably big deals for everybody listening, but Lot J, of course, because it has to do with the Jags. 
So um, it's an interesting it's an interesting discussion. You know, the city's going to be kicking in two hundred million dollars to this four hundred fifty million dollar project, and you know there are people on both sides of the coin. You know, and really only time will tell whether it it's a good investment or not. Just like all investments, you don't know for sure. Yeah. But uh, there are certainly things to be said for doing it, and then there are some people who say we could spend our money better. That two hundred million dollars could be spent better other places. But the reality is. Uh, the, if it works, it's going to be you know this amazing thing that will also generate not only money for the city but buzz and tourists and all that. Absolutely, so. we have Will Salmon from the Athletic talking Gators in a moment. He's on the line. But so before I let you go, yeah, and you got to get down there for some TV stuff. Uh, did you leave that? And I'm, uh, you don't get to editorialize very much, so uh, hopefully I'm not putting you in a spot. Did you leave that meeting with the mayor about Lot J, thinking, all right, I got a good feeling about this, or did you leave it more like? There's a lot of unanswered questions. Well, here's where we are. The deal is the deal is agreed upon, but there's still other steps that have to be. Ha- so, in other words, the 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 downtown investment authority is now going to begin the work of hammering out the details. Where exactly is that 200 million dollars coming from? What exactly are they going to spend it on? I mean, like. You know, detailed specifics of construction. What are we buying with that? What are we building with that? That kind of stuff. And then the city council will ultimately have to decide if they want to spend $200 million in taxpayer money for this private public enterprise that they're trying to accomplish. Uh, you know, the takeaway is that this live entertainment complex is going to be owned by the city and, and the operating costs are going to be split 50-50 with the, with the, uh, Iguana Investment Company, which of course is, um, Shad's company anyway so there's a lot of things to hammer out i i I mean i'm not going to get into my personal take on it but i'll say that you know for the first time in a long time in the city there is movement happening there are again plenty of people who might not like to see this particular movement happen but there are also plenty of people very excited to see this movement happening because let's face it they've been trying to develop that area uh in and around the shipyards for decades long before i got here and now uh for the first time you know we're gonna january we expect to see some construction starting over there to coincide with the um ramps coming down the Hartbridge ramps coming down the mayor said to us that we hope it's late january because it means the jags are still playing yeah good there you go that'd be a good thing yep Uh, all right man hey have a great weekend thank you you guys too we'll see you on tv tonight cbs 47 and fox 30 that's john bachman little tv timeout thanks man uh will salmon joins us right now from the athletic uh, covers the florida gators thanks for hanging on the line will i just wanted to give you a little background as you cover the florida georgia game over the years here in jacksonville now you got a little city development update (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I got I got everything I need, man. I'm now I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Hey, we got everything we need too from you on the athletic this week. Uh, really good couple of stories. I'm sure you have a ton of response about them. We'll get to Freddie Swain and his hobby outside the football field. I thought was interesting. But uh, first, let's begin with Felipe Franks. You sat down with Felipe to go over. I think it was four plays from last year. What was that like? And tell us a little bit more about the story and how it came together. It was really cool, and thanks for asking about it. Um, one of those plays, funny that you mentioned the Georgia game, one of those plays that uh, Felipe Franks and I went over was that interception that he threw, which was the last interception um, that he threw um, completely actually was last October. Uh, he hasn't thrown an interception since. And so we went over that place where like, what went wrong, what he was seeing initially. Uh, turns out, obviously, he was forcing the ball in that, certain, in that specific situation, but... Uh, the other plays were um, better throws. Clearly, um, they they were like uh, 
long completions, and I just kind of wanted to get a better idea of what sort of handle he had on the offense because really since, I want to say, the last four games of the regular season last year where uh, certainly they were all Florida wins, but he also played really well. He played a lot better. And since then, everybody on that team, including head coach Dan Mullen and Felipe Franks himself, have really talked at length about how much better Felipe Franks is at understanding the offense, um, sort of understanding what his role within the offense should be on a week-to-week basis, not trying to do a whole, like too much, um, uh, not trying to play hero ball uh, at the quarterback position, and really just sort of uh, diving into the playbook a lot more and kind of understanding the nuances uh, of what the offense is against certain defenses as well. And so I wanted to really see for myself um, uh, how, how much he knew or how much he was able to kind of break down and, and voice those things. And he did a really good job, I thought. I was pretty impressed with uh, with what he was able to share with me because you mentioned, like, how that happened. It was actually kind of a – I mean, I was prepared for it, but I don't think he was. Like, he, that was not something that I brought up to him prior. It was one of those deals where I had – the plays on my phone. I have. I was ready to kind of share it with him if he was open to it, um, but he had no idea that I was going to ask him that. So all of that was really off the cuff for him as well, which I think is important to to bring up because it wasn't as if like the guy was studying these plays or anything like that heading into it. By by no means that he, was he aware that this was going to happen. Yeah, really cool story. Will Salmon from the Athletic joining us uh, covers the Florida Gators here. Um, well, he's joining us on ESPN 690. Uh, covers for the Athletic. Uh, I want to ask you a little bit more about this story because that that's great insight, and you were impressed with how he handled it. And there's an elephant in the room sometimes around quarterbacks, especially college quarterbacks, because you have to be very careful when you talk about a guy, how he processes things. Is he fast enough with reads? Does he have the football IQ? Because some people uh, will will group that in with, oh, the guy's just not smart. Other guys, there's a big difference. There's a big difference on how you compute mm-hmm. things when things are going a million miles an hour on a Saturday afternoon or a Saturday night in the SEC. So... I guess my question is, you it's been kind of a quiet talking point or curiosity with Felipe Franks, I think. How quick can he process stuff? How quick can he get the ball out, see the reads, all those things? Do you feel some development there and, and everybody you talk to? Do they see some development there uh, from Franks just with natural maturity as he's an older quarterback? Definitely. I think it's worth bringing up, too, because Felipe Franks, even as a prospect in high school, the thing he always has was that he always had those tantalizing physical tools. Like, he always had that big arm, always been a big guy, um, and he still is. But people always sort of questioned, um, really since especially that 2017, that 2017 season, which was, which was obviously dreadful for him, um, you know, just how much – how much did he have it sort of between the years? That was a lot of that was a big talking point for like a lot of a lot of fans even um, because people would see him on Saturday and sometimes the guy would be open and and he would miss him or he would try to force something or just flat out not see something in certain uh, instances. And so, you know, I, I think it's a credit to him. Um, you know, a lot of people point to Dan Mullen and quarterbacks coach Brian Johnson, and rightfully so. They've done a great job. But, uh, you know, Felipe Franks really showed something because he went from uh, sort of like a black hole of, you know, a bad 2017 season plus certain points last year that weren't great uh, to come out to come out of that. And right now, um, you know, he's just completely turned the corner 
and people are asking, well, how much better can he be? It's not a question of um, is this the right guy anymore. So um, I think that's a, a lot of it he deserves credit for because there's something to the guy to be able to even just come out of that and have this conversation be the conversation conversation that he is now. I mean, clearly there's um, a lot of room for him to still grow. Again, those four games that I mentioned earlier in the conversation, people want him to sort of uh, confirm that that was not some sort of like mirage or you know ab- aberration that it was it was uh, the real deal for him. And he has to do that. And he has a lot of proving that he has to do against Miami, uh, you know, on on August 24th. So. Yeah, he's going to have to still do that, but it's uh, definitely leaps and bounds from where he was at this point last year, for sure. Absolutely, and you bring that up. I mean, just think about what the conversation was last year versus this year, and it it really jumps out at you and hits you right in the face. It was, is it going to be Kyle Trask? Is it going to be Felipe Franks? Oh, I can't wait for Emory Jones to come around, and, and, and maybe next year he'll be the guy. So this year, heck, you don't even know Kyle Trask and Emory Jones are on the team. From the outside, I know you do, Will. I'm just saying from the outside looking in. You just don't even hear their names, which that's how much Felipe Franks has quieted things down. And that really is a credit to the young man and the quarterback at Florida. So a really good piece on The Athletic from Will Salmon. Florida Film Analysis, it's called, with Felipe Franks. Check it out. Here's another really cool piece. Freddie Swain restoring cars. Uh, this was this came out just a couple of days ago, uh, or maybe it was just yesterday. In fact, Will, uh, this is a fun story, and I it, I told Austin this earlier. This is a story usually you might find in the NFL. Like we'd tell this story with some of the guys that like to collect cars or work on cars or a hobby in the off season. I haven't heard of many college guys that like to do this stuff. No, this is a, that was a first for me, and I was pretty surprised just because, like you said. It, not something that too many 20-year-olds are really into to that extent, and especially not guys who also have to play college football who are also college students. And so for a guy like Freddie Swain to have that sort of discipline uh, where, you know, on days off from football, he's still spending, you know, three to five hours of his spare time on this car. Um, it, didn't really sur- it didn't surprise me just because I kind of know the type of person that he is in some ways. I think a lot of times people uh, kind of get a little bit too ahead of themselves and they say, like, oh, I know this guy, I know that guy. But just from everything you hear about Freddie Swain, um, he's this mature guy who is just – he's an old soul on a team that's sort of full of them in a lot of ways mm-hmm. where these guys have been through, like, a lot of different experiences already in their third, fourth seasons in college ball. And um, he's just a guy who's, who's seen a lot. And that projects into who he is. And so it didn't really certainly surprise me too much. But um, the extent that he was able to kind of just, like, completely repair, like, say, like, a, a 79 Trans Am from, like, the ground up pretty much, yeah, that, that's kind of mind-blowing in some ways just because it's like, damn, you know, you don't really come across that too often. Well, one other part about that, too. I think it's cool behind-the-scenes look. And, and in college football these days, I don't feel like we get that a lot. Uh, everybody's so tight. Uh, they don't you, you don't hear a ton of these kind of stories. Uh, and uh, it was cool that they that you get to hook up with Freddie and do that story and Felipe and do the other stories. So good stuff from Will Salmon on The Athletic. Austin, what you got? Let's talk some football. Let's talk some football. So what's up, Will? Austin Lane here. How you doing, man? Hey, Austin. What's going on, man? What you got? 
Uh, so, you know, going into the, the last season, Juan Taylor was kind of a name who necessarily wasn't the household name that he ended up becoming towards the end of the season for the, for the Florida Gators. Um, I think it was more like a Martez Ivy was kind of the guy that was the anchor of that offensive line. If you were to give me one name right now going into this season who might surprise some people who could jump up draft boards by the time the season's over, who would you give me? Wow, that's a great question. Um, hmm. You know, on Florida, there's a lot. I think there's a handful of guys who will probably be in that conversation. Um, I think on the defensive side, not too many people are talking about, say, a, a Jonathan Grenard from Louisville, um, a guy who missed all of last year with an injury. Uh, he played under Ty Grantham's system before, very familiar with what he's going to be asked to do. So he, he's going to jump out. Jabari Zuniga is a guy like Ja'Kai Polite who um, kind of toiled for, like, Florida. Uh, not too many people sort of look at his production and say, wow, um, look at what this guy's been doing. But he's quietly put together some nice seasons. I think this year he should have a, a bigger season than ever and really, really break out. Um, there, there's just a bunch of guys like that that are just kind of on that cusp of trying of, of doing something really big that people just aren't as familiar as um, heading into the season as they probably will be uh, toward the end of the year for sure. Will Salmon from The Athletic with us covers the Florida Gators. All right, they were preseason eighth from the coaches. Who knows where they'll be in the AP poll. Here's my question. We talked about this a little bit yesterday, too. There are five programs that have just become elite programs. Those are the top five guys in the, in the country or top five teams in the country. And everybody else, to me, is everybody else. And Florida, to me, is included in this. Michigan's included in this, even LSU. I don't see them or give them a legitimate chance to mess around as a national championship contender. I'm not saying I'm right there. Do What do you think about that? Uh, do they have the goods if things go well, if Felipe takes a little bit more of a step to actually prove me wrong and end up contending for a national title? Can they take that step under Mullen this year? I think they can. I'm just not 100% convinced that they will um, because if she, there's there's certain variables in play here. Like last year, like they had a they had a nice. I think people didn't give them enough credit for the amount of experience that they had to work with the coaching staff. Um, they were one of the most experienced teams in the SEC last year, if not the most, actually heading into the season. And so they had a decent amount to work with um, in that capacity. Now you can kind of question the talent and sort of like okay, maybe they weren't that good, and, and these coaches got the, got the most out of them, and probably they did. Um, all that to say, I think that they could still improve as a team and not have that reflected in the wins and loss total, if that makes sense, where, yeah. like, yeah, they could probably get, get better in some areas, and I think that they will, uh, just because, hey, this is year two under, under both Todd Grantham and Dan Mullen, so in theory these guys um, should take another step forward and they probably will within their de- own developments and they will get better in certain areas and certain statistics, but I'm not convinced that would be reflected in the win total just because um, it's such a bear of a schedule, first of all. Um, and second of all, it's just super hard to really uh, get better from where they were as far as the amount of wins last year, where you, there, there is a little bit of luck involved there where you need some things to break right and, I'm not sure if you look at both seasons if things are going to if it's realistically possible to ask for things to break right again um, while also taking another step forward. It's, just, it's, it's a lot to ask when you don't have the level of talent 
um, that those five teams, like you were alluding to, uh, you're not on that level. And so you're going to have to rely on those other things, and I'm not sure you can uh, two straight years. Well, over the past couple weeks or so, there's been some financial reports that were made public uh, about the Power Five schools of how much money each school spends on recruiting for football. And to kind of set the picture a little bit, uh, Florida spends around a million dollars. Florida State about a million and a half dollars. Georgia comes in at number one, spending two and a half million dollars. I mean, if you're the Florida Gators, you take a look at these numbers and try to up the, the costs a little bit and try to up the, the fundraising and up the boosters? Or are these numbers just kind of flawed and you don't take, really take too much into account here? You're taking them to economics class today. I am, man. <laughs> no, I, I saw that report as well. What I would have liked to have seen with it, and I don't, I don't know, maybe they've updated it, maybe they haven't, but just the breakdown of where that money was going because I think it, it, it matters, like, okay, how, how big of a slice of the pie is going in which direction? Because then you sort of understand, you break down, okay, this is where it's going, this is smart, this is not. Because if I remember correctly, I think LSU is close to around the Gators as well. I think they may be a little bit more um, on that list. That is correct, so yes. Clearly LSU has operated at a high level in recruiting year in, year out, um, at a better level than Florida has, maybe not quite at Georgia right now, but they're, they're right there. And so that tells me, okay, um, they're building off their brand. They're still having success, even though they're not, they're not spending as much as some other schools like Georgia. But um, clearly they have room to grow in, in, in spending. It's just I want to know what that money is going toward before I say um, that that's the right move to make because otherwise you don't know. Um, maybe they are spending it carefully or maybe they are spending it um, in a way that's smart. Um, that we don't know unless we have that breakdown in front of us of uh, which percentage is going where. Um, but clearly, I mean, when a team is spending double the amount almost on you, then, yeah, you probably have some catching up to do. And that's definitely reflected in the talent gap between Georgia and Florida right now, which kind of answers the question that we always talk about is just how big of a gap that is. That's just another reminder for you that it's pretty, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty wide right now. An incredible arms race in college football. That is still the case for sure. Will Salmon from The Athletic does a fantastic job. Go read the two uh, articles you put out this week. Really good reads and uh, catch up on the Gators all the time with Will Salmon. All right, man, three weeks from tomorrow, tell the Gator fans they're going to win like 45 to 10. Just make them feel good. (laughs) (laughs) And make the Canes fans feel bad. There you go. All right, man, thanks for uh, joining us. Maybe uh, right before that game, maybe in a couple weeks, we catch up with you again. Uh, no doubt, guys. Thanks for having me on. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Will. Will Salmon doing a nice job. Uh, really good articles. Uh, that's why I wanted to get him on, talk a little bit about the behind the scenes of that. Sure. That's cool when you sit down. And, again, I said it. That college football is not easy to cover. Yeah. It's not easy because these big programs have closed their doors. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we can argue whether that's right or wrong. I'm in the media, so I was like, well, I'm like, well, what the heck? Yeah. But at the same time, I understand it from their point of view. There are more people that cover like the Gators and Alabama, and I mean, there. Are, if you counted up the publications, I'd love to see their like uh, credential request list. Mm-hmm. It's got to be enormous, and I guarantee it's bigger than bigger than the Jacks. And and maybe uh, I shouldn't say I guarantee you. I think it might be because it, I give it to you. Well, the in college football, I feel like because of the recruiting sites and all the branched out elements of it, some mm-hmm. specialize in recruiting, some specialize in just covering the beat, some specialize in whatever else there might be. So. uh I think it's become a muddied thing to cover, and you don't get these kind of stories as much. So nice job by Will. I'm sure he worked on that for a while uh, with uh, 
with Freddie and Felipe. But if you haven't had a chance to uh, read it, really good read. Don't be a Gator fan to read it, by the way. I think it's just a, a really good read. Well, I read it, and I'm not a Gator fan. <laughs> there you go. Guess what, guys? Yeah, Brett Martineau's endorsement. Guess what? What's up? We got another Yannick tweet. Don't cue the music yet. Going to break first? We're going to go to break. I can't hang on for a couple minutes here, man. I got to know right now. When we come back, I give you the latest on Yannick Ngakwe in my opinion and what I've learned. On a scale of 1 to 10 of juiciness, how juicy is this tweet? Not really. Okay. Dry. Bad taste. Bad very, taste. Very dry. <laughs> I should have said, said, oh, you're going to want to say this. This is like a ribeye, medium rare. No, this you're is really uh, going to want to hear what I have to say. Okay. And we'll share the tweet, too. We're, we're having pot roast that's overdone. Can't we're on like a one-a-day tweet thing from Yannick now. Well, I'm sure he knows that we covered so We'll have, we'll have a lot of catching up to do on yeah. Saturday and Sunday. Can't wait. Well, will he be here by then? Uh, Your thoughts about that? My thoughts on that. Todd Wash's thoughts on Yannick missing and how much catching up he has to do. That and the happy hour horn. Five o'clock, one hour away from the weekend, people. Stay with us. It, yeah. It, you know, we're, we're trying to adjust our system to every player, you know, that we have. And, uh, you know, some of the adjustments are for Jan, and Jan's not here. Uh, but, it, you know, it's, 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 it's a situation that any of our rushes have to do that. So um, we're, we're adjusting, trying to get them in a little bit more better position to make some more plays than they already have. And uh, some of the front adjustments that we do, some of the things we're doing in the back end, uh, I really like the addition to our package. So it's good right now. Obviously, we're not going to show a lot. Um, but I, I like where we're at with the new stuff. That's Todd Wash. Earlier today, when we asked him about some of the new wrinkles in that Jaguars defense, and he brought up Yannick Ngakwe, who obviously is not here. Some of the things they want to do to wrinkle or be creative or be a little different in this defense, some of the offseason changes, maybe some of the influence of Adam Capers. Uh, well, Yannick Ngakwe is not here for it. Because just so you – I don't think you have it. You don't have, like, the part two of that uh, Yannick Ngakwe, do you? After I asked him about uh, can he catch up. Okay, that's fine. I can paraphrase it. It wasn't that uh, difficult. But it was – he basically said – I asked him how long. Right? I followed up with that and said how yeah. long will it take him to catch up then on some of these new things. And he said Yannick Ngakwe could lead the team meetings. Yeah, if we wanted him to, he's, he's not going. Burst. Yes, mm-hmm. he is not going to have a problem catching up. He knows what's going on, and I think you heard in there he talks to him every other day. Yeah. Um, and sooner or later, and maybe sooner, Yannick Ngakwe will end up inside Jags headquarters and uh, report back. More on that in just a moment. What was the whiteboard? Right oh, now? I said, uh, hey, Area 51 Stormers, are you taking notes from Lollapalooza? Because if you're following uh, social media trends, people stormed in Lollapalooza and were hopping fences. Uh, Lollapalooza, by the way, is in Chicago. Uh, they're hopping fences to get in for free. And uh, believe me when I say storming is an understatement. There's about probably a couple hundred people that just bypass security and just hop fences to get in for free. So... Oh, those crazy kids, bro. You wish you were there. Lollapalooza? We kind of are there now. We're on Mixer. Lollapalooza. We are on Mixer, though. We're on Twitch and we're on Mixer. Yep. That's great. This is going to kick us off soon. So now everybody who asks me, like, hey, what is Twitch? I'm like, well, it's this. So now, what is Mixer? Yeah. I don't know. Ask who's. It's the same as Twitch. (laughs) To be fair, though, (laughs) if we get get threatening to get thrown off a Mixer because we're not playing video games, I'll set something up in here where I actually play the video game, too, while Brent's talking. So then. Yeah, we didn't have, like, a podcast. Or like radio show option so i just put us down as Fortnite. 
Oh, oh. Apex Legends, man. I know. That's pressure. But we're, hey, we're going for Ninja, man. We're competing with Ninja. I got to put us in the same gotcha. category. Is Ninja just Fortnite? He really only plays Fortnite, yeah. Oh, really? He got paid to play other games. So why wasn't he in that World Cup thing then? Or uh, was he it? was watching. He was like uh, in the stands. Why? He was, he was Is scared. He, not eligible? he was scared. No, he was scared. Be I don't honest. think he qualified. But like, he doesn't have to do that stuff. Like, he makes so much money. Like, what do you mean, so much money? What's so much money? A lot. Like, I, he, he got paid a hundred thousand oh, dollars really? to yeah. switch to Mister. Hey, it'll, oh, so it'll you, make so you, you mad, looked it man. up. It was a hundred thousand. Yeah, actually, we had someone comment on our Twitch. It'll, <laughs> it'll, it'll make you mad. Yeah, you don't want to look it up. If you looked up how much Ninja makes like a month off streaming, it would be so, sickening. So essentially, he's an, an influencer. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a video known, game influencer. I mean, he's a video game expert at the same right. But here's my issue. But he's, a, but he's an influencer. You don't get the cover of ESPN magazine and get scared to go to the Fortnite tournament where you made all your money and not enter it. Well, he's right now he's streaming with the Kyle kid that won. Okay. Well, Ninja didn't win. So why is Ninja on ESPN Magazine? Why is he on the cover? Because he's the, he's the most followed streamer. Number one guy. I'm just saying, man. If Jack's, you're supposed to be the best Fortnite gamer, then J- go to the tournament. Jack Spaz says $500,000 per month for Ninja. <clears throat> I'm not doing the research to to be sure no, that's I mean, true. No, I mean, hey, I believe it. And, and um, Stewart chimes in, 75,000 people watching him play Fortnite right now. Yeah, he's at Lollapalooza. Which means, is he winning? Which means, Weber, what are you doing? Watching him play or listening to <laughs> the Well, you must be doing well. He's playing Fortnite Lollapalooza? That's the new thing, man. There's a whole what? concert happening in Vegas that is like, you, you can go see Marshmallow play and on stage watch Fortnite happen with them, too. Wait, so... I work way too hard <laughs> for not enough money. I mean, as a music festival lover and as a music lover in general... So Ninja is at Lollapalooza yes. playing Fortnite. On like a side stage. I'm just going to drink tequila. Happy hour horn give time. Me, yeah, give me the Here tequila. Here on a Friday <laughs> on ESPN Drink, get a shot, and tip your star tenders. I'm just kind of bummed right now. Yeah, Sorry. you couldn't do anything with a video game twist. Vita DeLuca no, recently bummed. got a 94 rating. That will pick up your spirits. A locally owned tequila right here in Jacksonville, made in tequila, Mexico, shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita DeLuca tequila, one of the smoothest tequilas you will ever taste. For locations, recipes, and merchandise, visit VitaDeLuca.com. Of course, drink responsibly, but hope everybody has a fun weekend in Jacksonville or wherever uh, you are headed. Stuart Weber jumps in one more time on this, says, uh, watching you and just went to look up our new mixer stream and he was the first thing that popped up <laughs> ninja ninja <laughs> yeah. I'm just, oh that'll happen I'm just, uh, man you know like i always use the, the phrase adapt or die right and i'm listen i don't have instagram but i get it i don't have snapchat but i get it but today guys i, I feel old like to go to a music festival and just say, you know what? Screw the music. Let's go watch some guy play video games on a big stage. I, it bums me out. But I think I they schedule time for it. So it's like in between seeing Liz, Lizzo and I don't know yeah, whoever. Yeah, but tool, you understand, man. You like, can take an hour to go see for, uh, Fortnite. But the way like Lollapalooza and all these festivals are set like right up. I mean, after, yeah. yeah. Well, there's 
there's numerous stages, yeah. right? So there's like four or five stages. So on one stage, you can just say, forget the music, let's go watch Ninja play video games. And you know what? It bums me out. I feel old. And six o'clock can't come fast enough, Brent. Jack's Boz uh, back at it again. He hasn't hit me up this many times since my <laughs> phone kept going off. Must be a Ninja fan. Uh, and he had to look down at his. How about this? He says, rumor, and no, now he says it's a real deal. Six years, six years, $932 million contract, $932 million contract over six years with Microsoft to stream with, instead of Twitch. I thought you were going to say with Yannick, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, a, I, no, Yannick would take that deal, though. <laughs> Yannick would not be holding out. That. He would sign up for that one. I really I don't care how much emotion going. is involved. Yeah. Six years, $932 million mm. to go to Microsoft Mixer instead of Twitch. What in the world? I don't feel good, man. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if it was. I'm trying to digest those numbers. That is or... unbelievable. Why don't. And by the way, like, I'm cool no. because I'm on the gram. You're See, not nearly now I'm as gonna... Now I'm really gonna be sick. But you're not nearly as cool as everybody, you know. Uh, everybody thought you were, and we've proven that over the first seven months. But like, oh, I, yeah? I still haven't reached. I still haven't reached a cool enough level to understand why in this. Like, why? I, I guess I can't wrap my head around. It. Like, my Ty plays Fortnite. He, he plays more now than he ever has played. He plays with his buddies. Well, yeah, and money could. There's potential money I in know, it now. I, yeah. I, I know. I said train harder. I said go lift some. <laughs> go do some push-ups and then go play Fortnite more. Yeah. And then go take bat in practice, but play Fortnite more. Uh, so I. But what I don't understand is just watching somebody else play. Like I don't yeah. understand. I can't I think, get. I know. I understand watching a football game and I'm watching somebody else play. I know I like to watch my kids play ball. I just. Don't get that excited no. about watching you do your job or somebody else. <laughs> somebody else playing no, a video are. game. Brent, people are watching us do our job right now, and there we encourage like, yeah. people to watch us. <laughs> that is true. So, uh, hey, what's up? Yeah, uh, but we're hoping they're listening too. You know, <laughs> these guys quick, don't though. talk; they just sit there and play. Well, but there's so, also there's streams that are just like my life and like it would be if i set up a computer while i'm in my office like getting the audio clips for this and people would just watch that we have too much time so on our end two quick things and we'll we wrap up this conversation here i got a question for kuzma first of all don't ever say that you're cooler than me again okay I, that's where i draw the Listen, line sir I, the reason you're, you are a puka show necklace away right now from looking like a 1996 kenny chesney wearing <laughs> jeans and flip-flops and that sweatshirt so don't ever say that that you're cooler than me. <laughs> By the hey, I'm just saying it's been proven over the last. Seven I'm just months. saying. <laughs> take that. That's pretty offensive. Okay, just saying that. I will Diet say Kenny your best over lines here. come about my wardrobe because that's what I get the most passionate, Brent. Because you always say you're cool. I don't even me, know what a you puka dress, necklace, whatever uh, you said was. Necklace? <laughs> what were you around in the in the late nineties? Is that the thing you get like on Cape Cod Dude, and everybody? Yeah, yeah, you got to yeah, go yeah, 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 white, yeah. Like, yeah, the yeah. white thing. But no, I'm rocking the jeans and the sandals tomorrow. Makes zero sense whatsoever. Kenny Chesney. But second, my question though, Kenny Chesney's kind of cool. So we got Ninja who. Pretty much is making a billion dollars from switching from Twitch to, to to Mixer here. You're kind of the residential video game expert. Is there a bubble to this? Like, is it only going to keep on increasing, or is one day it's just going to be like, you know what? I don't know. There's a bubble, because, and it's just going to burst. Because there's so much random money in it, right? Where it's like you can sponsor the stream, or you can ha pay Ninja to have your Monster Energy drink next to his table. 
like a smart water like we have. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you know stuff like that. Like you can pay for that, and then and now. Pistachios. <laughs> And now <laughs> it's just trying to market off everything. And I mean, now I get it. We've kind of tried right. to do it but a now, little bit, but I guess we're not as successful. But now there's going to be a but now there's going to be a streaming platform war, right? That's what it looks like is about to happen. Now you're yeah. going to buy. So then, like Tim the Tatman and um, uh, Doctor Disrespect, the other guys who are big names but not ninja names, are going to start getting bought up. I've never heard of those guys. Yeah, I know. <laughs> can we talk about it? Can we get on Yannick's Twitter, please, right, now? Can you get us, play us in some music? Will you, cause we need some, uh, and pick the right one Say this time, cool. please. Don't, no four cool takes. Me, by the way. But we oh. have more Yannick and Gakwe tweets. It's been a week of tweets, and we could be coming to an end on the Yannick and Gakwe tweet game. I sure hope not. It's kind of fun. What is this, Saw? We in Saw right now? This is good right here. It's not, it's... It's Halloween Horror Nights? Guess what? It's called The Return, it's which Halloween I felt was fitting with his last tweet. That was okay. yesterday's tweet was The Return. Okay. And here we are about 24 hours later. What if I told you? Today is Believe Your Vision. Hmm. What is the vision? Believe Your Vision, huh? His vision... Is, is there any emojis? Nope. Yeah, it's kind of boring, dude. He did use punctuation here as a period at the end. That's cool. I mean, I'm, I'm going to type that into the Google machine real quick, make sure it's not like a rap lyric. But uh, if it's not, that's kind of boring, Jan. Come on. Um, that, he's I, refocusing I on football. Yeah, yeah. So, believe your vision, maybe a little believe in yourself. Yeah, for sure. All right. I mean, that's that's all I'm taking to it. I'm sorry. Now, here's the deal. Unrelated. Okay, everybody, everybody interpreted the return as here he, he's coming back in soon. Correct. Or he's going, well, he hasn't walked in the door yet. Yeah. August 6th continues to be the dead. Okay, we can kill the music because this is like real talk now. Thank you. <laughs> um, it's always real talk. Well, I know, but last time I have to separate the two because remember, I correct everybody thought my opinion of 90% deal not getting Came done was based off the tweets. It wasn't. Yeah. And uh, so here's what I'm here to say. I still believe in the 90%. Hmm. So that was Tuesday, I think, and now here we are at the end of the week, and I still am going to stick with the 90%. I, I did tell you, the only reason really I'm – I don't think this is happening. The only reason I'm even leaving it open to 10% is because I know phone calls – People can talk. Changes. I think if he even gets in here, practices for a week, I think the olive branch gets offered potentially to, hey, let's get back to the table. So there's so mm -hmm. much that can go on. And by the way, I'm hoping for that. I think there's a little that 10 percent is room for me to hope. And 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 I want that to happen. I want him to get paid and I want the team to keep him for a long time. All those things. Yep. I think everybody does. Um, and and I just still at this point believe a deal ain't happening mm -hmm. for Yannick Ngakwe. But I do think he is coming in. And I so, think some of it, uh, uh, there's a lot of levels to where, I, where why my belief is of that, okay, mm -hmm. so from sources to um, conversations to even words, like even from Todd Wash today, the fact that they're talking every other day, the fact that there was not a lot of panic. There has not been a lot of panic from Marone, uh, Wash, players, like, he's not coming. Uh-oh. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Uh, like, it's a, it's a done deal. Telvin Smith is not playing this year. Yeah. Unless that takes a U-turn that's just crazy. Mm -hmm. It's not happening. But there is not a belief that that Yannick Ngakwe is not playing. And so uh, I, I will continue to stick with this. And what I told you earlier in the week, that I don't believe a deal gets done. And I think it's still at 90% that a deal's not getting this, this thing is done mm -hmm. as of now. Mm -hmm. No deal. Um, but I'll leave the 10% open in case there's a turn and, and, and for the better. 
But I do think he's coming in. I think he's going to wisely come in by Tuesday. And I don't know if that's tomorrow's a day off for the Jags. Could it be on Sunday uh, when the team leaves for Baltimore? Absolutely, it could be. I'm not predicting that. I just think he'll by Tuesday, one way or another, he will get to Jags headquarters or Baltimore or wherever he needs to go. And he will not give up that unrestricted status that 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 would be disqualified if yeah. he shows up after Tuesday. That's my belief. But again, I'll reiterate it. I, I don't think he's getting a deal done. So a couple things here. So you're 90%. Now, that's not on the fence. That's You're, you're off the fence. There, there's a hand on the fence. It's almost like we're playing capture the flag and you're at home base right now, so the hand's on the fence. That's fine. I'll, I'll give that to you. So you say that he's going to have a contract. He's going to come in. So then do you think he plays out the rookie deal? Yeah. And then if he does that, do you think he's going to incur the fines that he's? Uh, I think if he's in here, I think that. They're going to him. This is just total guess. No, of this course. Is yeah, no I mean, this intel, is no yeah. intel. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. I think they will. I. I don't think they're trying to make to to make Jan angry. No, that's the I don't last think thing they want do. him to be an angry player. Mm-hmm. So I think under that. I think they get business. Mm-hmm. I think they're pretty, they've been, again, what they're saying in front of a microphone has been a pretty calm approach to this, not like, what the heck is going on? There hasn't been, like when we talked to Maurice Jones-Rue, there hasn't been the trains leaving the station kind of statement from the team. Mm-hmm. So I think they're going, I would believe they'll waive those, but they have to be careful with that because you can't just invite that. You can't just say, hey, hey I don't show up for two weeks, but we'll definitely wipe that out because we want to make, make sure we're all on good terms. Yeah. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think... Maybe they get reduced. Maybe they do wipe them out. I think that would be a quiet thing. I don't think it's going to be made it's public. It's not going to be public, no. Um, nope. But I, I would lean at this time, since you, you asked me that question, that, yeah, I think they won't fine him. At least all the dollars. I mean, he's up to like $400,000 in fines right well, now. Well, exactly. And if the guy's slated to make, what, a think $2 million? Yeah, $2 this, million this year. $2 million, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a big chunk of change. That and is. I think that if you were to... You know, to incur all those fines on him and make him pay that 300 or whatever, how much he owes. I mean, what kind of message that sent in the locker room? You know, where you got a guy that's literally paying, playing for one, you know, whatever he's paying. He had to pay one third of his kind, whatever it is. Yeah, a little bit of that would I, be I'm his choice. Right? You know that, but, yeah. but it, it is his choice. But at the same time, the players aren't going to understand that. The no. players are going to see the management and just be like, oh, they screwed him over. Yeah, I, I think if this plays out the way it is, and there was some talking, Maurice Jones, Drew said some insurance. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if. And Gakwe goes that route. When he does get here, and I think he's getting here soon in the next few days, I would. It'd be interesting if he shares that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play on this deal, and I'm going to get some insurance on this deal. I don't know how much he can get. I don't know how that works. That'll be an interesting part of it. We have stay in your lane coming up, and more football talk with the Jaguars to wrap up a Friday here. Jags heading to Baltimore soon. We're going with them. Stay with us on ESPN 690. We got a Facebook question or a Twitter question or was it a mixer question? No, not mixer. Which question, mixer? Come on. Ninja wants to know something about Yannick Ngakwe. Is that what we're getting at? Oh, yeah. Oh, did you reach out to us? Does he feel us breathing down his neck again now on mixer? (laughs) Get in while you can, man, because we're coming. What's the question? I'm waiting for Coos. <laughs> Sorry, I was, I was reading some other want, comments. Do you want me to drink this out? No, uh, <laughs> Don't read so, the other comments. They're not good. Nope, nope. Uh, Samantha says, <laughs> so does Jan leave with them Sunday to Baltimore, or does he show up uh, there on the 30-day mark? Yeah, the 30-day mark, again, is August 6th, so that's Tuesday. So they would be practicing up in Baltimore. I really, I've, I've asked around a little bit, and I don't think I got a clear answer on how that would go down, whether he would kind of take his own flight 
to Baltimore to be with the team, or he'd just report to the headquarters and then stay there and not go into the, you know, some guys don't travel sometimes, whether they're hurt or whatever else. Mm-hmm. So he could just go in there, get workouts in with the training staff and, and be in the building and, and that qualifies. You know, I, I don't know if it's a simple phone call. Hey, we're back. You got to walk through the door, hit the key code. You got to sign something. I really don't know that part of it. My guess is he's not coming in until he has to come in. And if it's four o'clock on Tuesday, it might be four o'clock Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, I don't see him coming in on Sunday and going with the team to Baltimore. I really don't. I, that's but that's pure guess. Well, from, from an injury I don't standpoint, it. too, it wouldn't make much sense at all. Well, I think. listen, well, either, either way, if he I goes, mean, if he comes in, he ain't playing this week. Yeah. He's, he's, he's not. I mean, he might do a couple individual things, but he will be limited, no doubt. They're not throwing him in against the Ravens in a practice Monday, Tuesday, even if he reported and went to, with the team on Sunday. Yeah. And I don't think he would play in the football game on Thursday. Yeah. So, that, listen, that's the one thing about this whole situation is if injury is a concern, which uh, we have talked about multiple times, it should be a little bit. Of, and it might be a concern all year long now if you're only playing on a $2 million deal, if that's the way this thing goes down. I think in the camp aspect of it, they will take care of Yannick Ngakwe, and they're not going to just throw him out there in situations where he might risk injury. I think you can – again, I don't sense his animosity between Yannick Ngakwe and this coaching staff, Yannick Ngakwe, and even the organization. <laughs> well, there can't I, be, I, I feel like there's animosity or tension or emotion between the negotiation sides of it. Yes. That's a different story. Yeah. That isn't like angst against Yannick Ngakwe. So uh, there's a, there's a, that's a separation. Well, no, you know? the, 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 there can't be animosity built up between um, the coaching and the organization and Yannick Ngakwe because then you're not on the same page. And he's one of the leaders of the team. And if you have animosity, that's just that's a recipe for another disaster like last season, where the leadership was lacking, where there's some kind of distractions. The last thing you want to do is have Yannick Ngakwe show up, ready to play football, and have it kind of be on bad terms with the team, which I don't think is going to happen at all. Yeah, so we'll see what happens again. My thought is I don't think a deal's getting done. I still stand on that. Uh, uh, I leave a little room for a, a change in that, but as of now, nothing's getting done, and it it's won't happen. And he'll play on the final year of his rookie deal, which is two million bucks. I do think he's reporting by Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do think that will happen. So we'll see what happens in the whole Yannick Ngakwe situation as it turns daily, hourly, and with every tweet. Fair enough. <laughs> and again, I do want to reiterate my uh, my thoughts are not interpretations of tweets here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they are not. Can't say that enough, uh, Brent. Uh, I do want to uh, get to Tony Baselli's comments on another big story this week, and that was Fred Taylor, sure. who made some noise about uh, the All-25 team. Well, we had Tony Baselli on Jaguars All-Access last night. Uh, fun show with uh, Jeff Lagerman, Tony Baselli, myself. Good, good crowd out there. Good to be back at Mellow Mushroom in Avondale. Uh, we won't have another show until September 5th when the season starts because we go to Thursday on Fox 30 at 7 o'clock, well, the next few Thursdays are all tied up with preseason games. So uh, the show will take a little bit of a break until the regular season begins, uh, and then we'll have a lot of fun on Thursday nights. But Tony Vaselli talking about being number one on the All-25 and also Fred Taylor's comments. Uh, I'll say this. Let me start by saying Fred and I are good. Yeah. We've communicated. There's no animosity between the two of us. And I think some people have made it up like, is there something between Tony and Fred? There's nothing. We tweet, we text each other today. Um, I actually get it from the standpoint, you know, not making the Hall of Fame the last couple of years, especially last year when I thought it was a really good chance. 
I mean, part of you as a competitor and the personal pride and all that you, you know, want to do and want to be recognized as, and all of a sudden what you hear is, well, I missed the mark. I'm not that guy. Yeah. And uh, there's a range of emotions. You go through it. And uh, Fred tweeted it. He tweeted what he did. Fred, I love Freddie T. He's one of my favorite teammates ever. I told him in a, uh, t- today he made me look really good a bunch of times. So <laughs> I love Fred. Um, he's a competitor. He wanted to be number one. And so uh, these things are subjective. Yeah. I'll say this. Watching the, all the clips of all the 25 players and all the that they did, Fred's highlights are way better than mine. They're a lot more fun to watch than <laughs> my highlights. So uh, it's unfortunate because what I didn't like about the whole thing is that like the national media got involved and they start talking negative about Fred's career. And that's not what you want. Fred was a great player. I think he's one of the best backs to ever play this game. Well, that's Tony Baselli on Jaguars All Access last night. Uh, I thought Tony handled it really well and, and gave us some insight. And I do think that's something that you, you have to keep reiterating. I do Although it was bad timing, and although it took away from Fred Taylor being number two on that All-25 list, and it did take away, actually, from really the celebration of Tony Baselli being number one. I don't think Fred meant to do that, but in hindsight, if you ask him about this, I think in another week or two or month or a year, I think he'll say, you know what I really feel bad about is I don't think people celebrated Tony enough with that number one once it was revealed because everybody was still talking about my tweet. Mm-hmm. I think that's really the downfall or the, the, the bad part of, of what happened there. Not him expressing his feelings as kind of stunning as it was at the time when uh, when it actually was revealed in the afternoon and we talked about it on the show. But I thought Tony did a, a really good job of kind of squashing anything between the two of them. That's not what this was. Uh, they they like each other. They get along with each other. They um, they they were teammates. All that that good stuff. Uh, and and I really thought Tony put it in good perspective because I've been around Tony at the Hall of Fame announcement. Not not in the room. I don't want to. Um, uh, mislead anybody there, but I've been at the Super Bowls the last however many years as Tony Baselli has been up for the Hall of Fame as a finalist, and we usually talk to him or see him five, ten minutes, fifteen minutes after he gets the phone call that uh, he's not getting in, and you can see it on his face, the disappointment. So I thought mm-hmm. the comparison to that actually put it in a different frame of mind for me because at the time you're like what the heck i'm not good enough look what i've done and it's a hard situation it's tough yeah. and you're actually you don't in that situation as a competitor you don't t- step back and say wow this is so cool he, now tony does this great all week and all the months leading up if you ask him about the hall of fame being a finalist he'll be like hey it's awesome to be mentioned let's not lose that perspective yeah. mm-hmm. but when you're in the emotion of the moment it's often like man i just lost I, yeah. I'm not good enough. And you feel that. And I sense that Tony feels that. And that's what he was describing. And I thought it was really a good comparison on a very lower level. Let's not lose sight of this. Mm-hmm. Canton, Ohio, and the all 25 team on Jaguars.com, even though I love those guys, they did a great job with it, are not even close. Again, yeah. this was supposed to be a fun thing. I never thought we'd get to it at that. But, hey, it's a blessing. Jaguars.com probably has more traffic on this feature that they did yeah. in the last few days than than they ever imagined rolling endorsements yeah no <laughs> so, absolutely uh, but i th- i think tony did a good job of kind of putting to bed i guess is uh, the moral of the story uh, last night on jaguars all access yeah without a doubt i mean the fact that 
you know, there was any narrative that the that Fred and, and Tony uh, disliked each other because of this. I mean, it's just it, it's absurd. You know, these are two teammates who shared a locker room together. Anytime you do that, um, you know, you you form that special bond, and especially Tony, you know, having blocked for Fred. So uh, there, there's definitely a, a a bond there, and I think Fred's uh, beef lies more with the Jacksonville media than it does with the Jacksonville Jaguars or his teammates. Yeah, it's uh, a little bit feels like. Uh Two seventh grade girls uh, going on uh, on uh, the yearbook superlatives. Okay, and not. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mean the guy. I mean how it's been perceived. No, I, yeah, like, yeah, 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 I guess. Yeah, don't yeah, mean well, Fred and Tony. Yeah, that, I that's mean, what I thought you were going to get. It's been like everybody fighting yeah. over the two I mean, I just said that Fred Taylor's got a vendetta against the media, <laughs> and you aren't helping the situation, sir. I especially, did not. The, especially the new quote-unquote media in town, too, as well. I got no beef with you guys at all. I didn't. Not you guys are seventh grade girls. I didn't say it. I might have said it, but it just came out wrong. I, seriously, good. it did. Let's go back to the footage. All right. Stay in your lane coming up. Yeah. Coos is being talked about all over the building in the last 24 hours. Okay. And you guys get a first. That's all like next the first time. Can't wait. You wanted to talk, it looks like. Final whiteboard of the, of the week, because I know you're going to mail it in on the next segment. Oh, yeah. Hey, have a good weekend, everybody. Yeah. This is uh, this is going to be my cruise control, actually. Let's go Ruthless. Yes, we're going sir. to dinner? You buy it? We're not going to Ruth Chris. No, because you're going to owe me that when, uh What was the bet again with the Ruth Chris? The draft, oh, the draft isn't going to be here. Yeah, we'll Where see. Where are you going to be in, like, eight years when that thing knows? runs out? <laughs> If I'm not around here, I'm definitely giving you a phone call, though. I'll be like, hey, Brent, remember when you... They might have a risk, Chris, for you. No, you man, we're, Brent, we're, talking, we're going to be a mixer. We're going to be everywhere, making billions of dollars like ninjas. So come on. Yeah, what time slot are we going to have nationally? What's, like, the most ideal time slot? Mornings? This one. Like the dry, Yeah, this one. Okay. That sounds good. Nah, I mean, some would say mornings. Yeah, well, depends if you're the a morning, morning person. Commute. I guess so. Cool, is you a morning person? Yeah, I'm not bad. All right. Well, you can also be replaced, so we'll see. He's not a night guy. <laughs> I mean, I'll text him at like 11 o'clock. He answers me the next yeah. day. Oh, before yeah, we get into my whole cruise control thing, can we talk about why is he so popular on the... Because I, I must have missed that memo or email, which I, I don't check anyways, yeah, but... Because I was surprised. I said congratulations on our group text. Oh, no. I, <laughs> we were talking in person about story, that. Yeah, you got to tell him the story real quick. Cruz. But I thought the same thing because I was like, in Brent's perspective, he said congrats. And then you were like, hey, can you send me that link? Yeah. Yeah, that's well, what happened. Oh, I gotcha. <laughs> that's what happened. No, okay, so let's set the story real quick then. Um, Kuz, can you, can you share what happened? I still don't really understand what it is. Well, I'll tell you what happened. Okay. My, on the, my I'll end, tell you from my end. I don't okay. know what it is either. Okay, cool. <laughs> like, I don't I, think anybody knows what it is. L- listen, it's, it's a radio thing. Sounds made up. Yep. I don't think they have this in TV. I've never heard of it in TV, so I don't think so. Yeah. But there, I got a text from the big boss man. Sure. Uh, last night during the show. Yeah. And he said, hey, Coo, Justin, he doesn't call him Coo, he said Justin. <laughs> I hope not. He said Justin uh, just got invited or won, I forget the phrasing of it, to go to Dallas for whatever it is. Yeah. And I was like, oh. NAB radio show. Oh, NAB radio no, show. They asked me to do that too. Like yesterday they asked me to do that. I said I couldn't do it because I had stuff going on. Yeah. I told them I got asked to speak at it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, no, I didn't get asked. Congratulations, Chris. But anyways, but please anyway, continue. Yeah. Big boss man says, hey, you know, that's pretty cool. It's a big deal for uh, Justin. I was like, for sure. Okay. I was like, but I didn't know if I was supposed to mention it on the air. I didn't know. Yeah. But I think we were on the air, so he didn't want to come in. Yeah. That's what I later learned, so he texted me about yeah. it. Yeah. 
Well, then Coos can tell, like, the rest of the story. Well, you can tell your part, then I'll tell my part, because it's all goes, it's like a Quentin Tarantino movie yeah, right now. Like and, and it might take two hours and 50 minutes. <laughs> yeah, we don't have much break. time. We'll hurry up. Well, no, while you guys were in your last break uh, yesterday, the boss man, like you said, came in, and I, I immediately was like, oh, I'm sorry, they're going to the top of the hour. You might have to wait, like, 10 minutes to talk to him. And then he goes, no, I want to talk to you. <laughs> And yeah. in my head, I'm like, oh, no, what I do wrong? <laughs> it wasn't me. I didn't do it. I promise I'll take it down or whatever. Nobody's and, uh, flirted with being fired more than Coos. <laughs> and then so then he had told me and I was like, oh, OK, that's awesome. You know, we obviously we shook yeah. hands, we talked. And and so uh, that was my angle from it is I didn't know anything was coming. <laughs> and then here comes my angle because we're getting all angles of the story here. <laughs> so then when the show was over, Brent, you left hey. and uh, I stayed a little I stayed behind a little bit, talked to Coos and Coos showed me what was going on where he's getting honored in Dallas and he wasn't sure if he has to talk to anybody. I'm like, oh, I could be nerve wracking, but whatever. But he was excited and I was excited. I'm like, congratulations, dude, that's awesome. I'm like, sweet. Didn't really know how big it was, to tell you the truth, but he seemed happy, so yeah, I say I don't like Coos, but deep down, uh, go ahead and delete this and hit the button, but Coos is a good guy. Yeah. I, I respect him. Drop. Yeah, exactly. So I go to the water thing, fill up my water jug, uh, leave for the day, and as I'm leaving, I'm walking by the, the door. You text message the group and says, congratulations. All it said was, congrats, Coots. So I'm like, congrats, Coots. So I'm like, okay. So then I stop by the door again. I'm like, Coots, you getting married or something, man? What's up? Because I thought he might have, like, <laughs> that put, like, That's on Facebook. Yeah. So I'm like, what's up? Did you get married? He's like, oh, no, it's for the thing that I talked about. I'm like, oh, okay, well. I already wish you congratulations, so goodbye. So then that's why I asked the question. And so, yeah, we're all good now. Yeah, you had moved on, and in your group text, you yeah. just were like, you were on to something else. Send yeah. me a link for something. Or something. Yeah, because I already wish some congratulations. On Mixer or yes. something. So <laughs> no one's in the wrong, just a miscommunication, Brent. So, Kuz, you got to tell the people, like, what? It's a big deal in the building because all of a sudden I see emails, like, left and right. It's like, congratulations. Oh, yeah, great job. Well deserved. Like, what did you do? Like, how did you get it? Like, I thought you were just like average as the day is long as an employee. <laughs> That's what I thought, too. No, they just asked. Uh, it was a whole thing about, you know, submit why you think you would be good to represent the company. And I had my mom submit for me. And <laughs> yep, there it is. You knew that was coming. I thought, I thought you plagiarized or you had somebody do it for you. There it is. <laughs> No, I, really, yeah. I don't think uh, bosses are so impressed right now. I don't think the Flagler president <laughs> like vouched <that>. for. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I just wrote I wrote down you know what I thought the future of radio was, all this stuff that I saw, you know, obviously with the stream and everything we're doing. So um, I guess they they liked that and uh, and chose me. I like it, man. Congratulations, cool, man. good stuff. That'll be good, and you'll yeah. be that in September. This time, not for a wedding. Is you think this is a disguise? Just that Coos really has another wedding that popped up, but he didn't have the guts no, to but, tell us. But, but while, <laughs> That's a good point. Hey, while we're on that topic, um, I'm not going to be here next week. Yet. Next week, Thursday, Friday, I got a wedding. Seriously? No, like dead serious. So I'm by myself next week. Whoa, Scott. Scott. Yeah, so that's cool. But yeah. wow. Ratings just went up. Yeah, no, that's actually a good thing. By all means, take all the weddings that you want, Coos. All right. Uh, that's the deal. I will be uh, in Baltimore. You will be here. Yes. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, out at the practices in Baltimore. Uh, Wednesday, I'll probably do that one from the hotel because yeah. we have production meetings for TV and the pregame show. And then Thursday, uh, I'm going to do the show from the field. Sweet. I mean, I, I've had crab kicks. I want to go anyways. It's all good, dude. No worries. Yeah. Uh, I, I, sorry, you can't go. No, it's all good. Like I said, I've had crab kicks before. So you got to work out preseason football. You got to hold the work out back here. Yep, and tell Joe Cohen I say what's up. Sadly, there's no uh, Cowboys games going on. It's in Dallas. That radio. Oh no, no yeah, Cowboys game. Are we going to cover them? We're going to give yeah, you, you expert analysis. Go, I'll, I'll go cover them for you guys. <laughs> Love it.
You can go to Arlington and see a Rangers game, maybe. Ooh. It's a good stadium. Uh, Dallas is huge. All right, uh, let's take a time out. When we come back, we'll finish up with Stay in Your Lane. And I do have a gift for you guys. It's got Can't nothing wait. to do with uh, Kuz's <laughs> whatever he just got. I don't know. Are they crab what cakes? is that? Is that like a, what? it's not a promotion. An honor, I guess. Honor. A, a, a badge. Did I tell you, did you know there was one other stipulation on this thing? On the show? No. No, what? no. On Kuz, what, Kuz won? No. It's like it's only for millennials. Yeah. So, like, I didn't qualify. So, this is for like millennial producers, or it's for no, it's for like in, the younger people in the company to go and represent in Jacksonville or everywhere. Yeah, it's every building. Yeah. yeah. So, how many people is that? Ten? I don't, I, I don't oh, know how many okay. people. Oh, it's kind of like future prestigious. radio. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, yeah. The future radio is going like that, Brent. Future radio is right here on Action Sports <laughs> Jackson ESPN six ninety. We'll be back. My bad. Hey, thanks for checking out Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Fastest growing sports radio station in Jacksonville. That's what I've been told. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you watching. YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, Mixer. <laughs> iTunes. Coots, you do it. See, okay. behind the scenes, Coots does a really good job with all the different platform stuff. Probably doesn't get enough credit for that. And, uh... YouTube numbers are encouraging. Yeah. Who's growing. I like it. Hey, it's slow and steady. Yep. Slow and steady. It wins the race. That's the turtle. what they say. I was waiting for that cliche. All right. Stay in That's your lane. Good story. What you got? Cruise control. Brent, let's get into a little UFC fight talk. How's that sound? Well, it's whatever. It's cruise. It's called stay in your lane, not stay in your Martino. So check this out. Uh, so UFC fights are going to be this weekend, uh, Saturday on ESPN or ESPN Plus or ESPN Two, ESPN Ultra. I really don't know. They don't really promote them that well. I think it's on ESPN and ESPN Plus. But check it out regardless. Overall, not a bad card. It's free. But the the main event is a real barn burner here, and it's between. Why well, I put on my whiteboard uh, the previous segment here, Ruthless Robbie Lawler taking on Colby Covington. Um, Robbie Lawler, for those people that don't know, is probably uh, one of the most violent fighters of all time. He uh, was actually, in my opinion, was in the bloodiest um, and best MMA match of all time against Roy McDonald uh, to the point where he literally busted his lip open so bad I think he had to get like 50 stitches in it and kept on fighting. He actually won that fight. Um, if you were to pick somebody out of a lineup, Brent, hear him talk and just how they present themselves. Like some guys, you know, are, are well-spoken. Some guys are could be bank, whatever. So some guys could be a lot of things. Robbie Lawler was meant to be a fighter. Um, he's very, he's well spoken, but just the way he comes across, super intense, super violent, uh, definitely guy, definitely a fun guy to watch. And the guy that he's taken on, Colby Covington, is probably the most disliked guy right now going in MMA. Um, I say that because for, of a few reasons. Number one is his style. Uh, he's a he's a former collegiate wrestler, and anytime you have a former collegiate wrestler go to the M- go to MMA um, and choose a, a fight a, a career of fighting, um, it can make for a boring show because usually they just go to the ground, they hold the guy down, try to punch him out, but you don't see a lot of knockouts, you don't see a lot of finishes, and that happens all the time. So with Colby Covington, he took it upon himself to try to change his dynamic a little bit, a la another legend by the name of Chael Sonnen, who did the same thing, and he started to talk a lot more to get people to watch him because his style isn't conducive to the highlights. It's not conducive to people paying money to watch him fight. So Colby Covington took it upon himself to say controversial things, to 
get people to dislike him. Controversial things such as when he was in Brazil, he called um, a bunch of Brazilian fans after his fight. I won't say the words, but he called a bunch of racial expletives. Mm. And that left a bad taste in uh, – he used to train an American top team – left a bad taste of where he trains at because it is featured with a bunch of Brazilians. So much to the fact that the next time he fought in Australia, a heavyweight that was from Brazil on the same card threw a boomerang. I kid you not, threw a boomerang at Colby Covington, and uh, Colby Covington ended up pressing charges. So uh, he is very disliked in the organization. He's said a couple other things, too, as well. Um, There's some some videos out there with um, some girls that get paid for money to do certain things. I'll just say a porn stars basically there's videos of him with them so just uh, a lot of things that maybe may make dislike the guy a lot look in the week with that kind of talk yeah but also a reason why people dislike him at least half of the the fight nation dislikes him is because he's a big donald trump supporter he he wears a make america great hat when he walks out to the cage sometimes donald trump actually took notice and colby covington was the first ufc fighter to visit the white house so donald trump has reported and also his son donald trump jr will be in attendance for this fight um featuring colby covington uh to kind of get in his corner and where is the fight uh the fight that's an excellent question brent it's going to be in new jersey uh newark new jersey i would have said something snarky okay but i don't want to go political okay so i'm not going to do that okay um but it would have been kind of funny just to let you know (laughs) hey i guess we'll take your word for it (laughs) i'll say it in the break (laughs) okay fantastic uh pump your brakes real quick uh, yeah yeah uh before you said uh that that he's a you know whether Trump's going to be there supporting or not. Yeah. I said, do you think most people for, take the, again take the politics out, not sure. the Trump part of yeah, it, yeah. just because of the other stuff that you had mentioned, the, the uh, racial stuff with are the people, Brazilian people, Lawler, and Lawler, oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, they're, they're Lawler all day. Yeah. yeah, I mean, honestly, it got so bad for Covington that he is banned from fighting in Brazil now. He had another fight in Brazil and actually had to cancel that his match just because they were worried about his safety. Because Brazil, you don't mess around. And listen. I'm all for getting your shine. Like I'm, I'm a big Conor McGregor fan. He's one of my most. He's probably my favorite fighter of all time for what he's done for the sport. How can you not respect the guy? But when Conor McGregor brought up, you know, when he fought Khabib Nagamanov, um, his last fight, he brought up Khabib's dad and Khabib's religion and his family. And I think as a fighter, yes, you can say whatever you want when you go in the cage, you go in the arena, you have that right. But anytime you bring up someone's religion, family, or just their the you know their, their culture, I think you kind of cross the line a little bit, and that's what what Colby Covington's done. I mean, I appreciate that he's getting eyes on him because it is a you know it is a popularity sport after all. But at the same time, um, I feel like some lines have been crossed. All right, uh, one more UFC thing, real quick, and yes. I know you, and we got only a few minutes left yeah. in the show, but this just came out, I think, just moments ago, okay. within the last hour. I don't know if you saw it. I probably uh, haven't. Relationship between the UFC and former featherweight champion Chris Cyborg Justino yeah. appears to be done. Dana White just Ooh. said UFC is out of the cyborg business. That a big story? Uh, it's a huge story. She's actually, we have a video of her uh, when I interviewed her at yeah, StarCast. Yeah, yeah um, listen, she was the most ferocious, ferocious female of all time in MMA. Um, unfortunately, at that division, the 145 division, Nothing for her. You know, she lost her belt to Amanda Nunez. Um, she didn't get the rematch like people wanted, but that division is just so bleak, Brent, because there's not a lot of girls that fight at 145 pounds, let's be honest. Uh, so that division's kind of just, 
you know, it's barren right now. Um, and you know what? For Chris's standpoint, from Cyborg's standpoint, it's good for her because now she can go venture out, get these money fights, as they say, and uh, maybe up her game up a little bit. So, right. yeah. How about a pump your brakes? Pump your brakes real quick. Uh, it may be preseason, but Vic Fangio was in regular season form yeah. last night, Brent. Uh, during the Hall of Fame game, where I may or may not have lost four bucks on FanDuel, doesn't really matter. Uh, it's not about me. But um, he coached from the sidelines despite having been hospitalized a good part of that day. What for, you may ask? Kidney stones. Yikes. He was going through kidney stones that had not passed and opted to leave the hospital and go coach his team in a preseason Hall of Fame game. That was his Grit. first one as a head coach Grit ever. for days, man. I respect it. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. good. That, that shows a little toughness. A little toughness. A little grit. respect that. A little grit, yes. Might it's contagious, little, Might be a little too much grit down there. It's, it's <laughs> Maybe just a little bit, yeah. I've never had them. I heard they're painful. I, I haven't either. I'm staying hydrated, brief, man. Brief Drink college, your water. Brief college baseball story. Yeah. Uh, making a three-hour trip on a spring trip. We're down in Florida. Yep. We're going to play Florida Southern. Halfway to Florida Southern. From like Boca, where I don't know, I can't remember where we were, but it yep. was a three hour drive. Sure. And our coach is in pain in the back. Yeah. Like, we're thinking he's dying. Sure. I mean, like, so much pain. We drop him off at some hospital, wherever we were. Yeah. We had to drop off the hospital. We go play our game. And uh, I will say at this time, there was mixed feelings about our coach. Yeah. So there was a little 50 50 split, probably, whether we wanted to go pick him up at the hospital again. I <laughs> just leave him. Yeah. But uh, it turned out it was kidney, kidney stones. stones. I've never seen someone in so much pain, though. Oh, there's no joke. I mean, I remember a uh, quick story, too. Like in third grade, there was a girl in our third grader, uh, a girl in our school had kidney stones. And watching her go through that, yes. insane. Yeah. Hey, guys, what first time ever. This is what you got. Look. Oh, we got credentials. You are credentialed. Oh, you baby. bet. Coos. You bet. Austin Lane. Nice. This is big time. Absolutely. This makes up for not being part of the top 25 for the Jackson Jaguars. Now we just got to hope yes. the show makes it through the season. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. We'll make it through the weekend. Will Yannick and Gakwe be back? We'll what's the, find out. What's we'll the going rate of those credentials on eBay, by the way? <laughs> do not do that. Okay, never mind. Uh, we'll be up in Baltimore Monday and Tuesday. Austin will be here. I'll be up there. And we're uh, less than a week away from preseason game number one. Watch Action Sports Jacks primetime all weekend long. 1030, Fox 30, 1130 on CBS 47. And first and 10 tonight, 1115 on Fox 30 and CBS 47. Have a good weekend, everybody. Thanks for listening all week. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.